You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! Anyway, with the friend.
Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to get to tonight. We have March Madness in what is becoming the Tournament of Upsets to talk about. We got the World Baseball Classic final. Well, I shouldn't. Well, yeah, we have to talk about the finals, but we also have to talk about the quarterfinals and semifinals as well. Uh, we have some injuries to talk about coming from the World Baseball Classic, as well as taking a look at some NFL signings and the ongoing NFL trade market right now, which from what it sounds like, it sounds like it may potentially start to heat up here in the near future. Uh, I know we have Lou on the line with us. How are you doing, Lou? All right, Steve, thanks. Now, Lou, uh, why don't we get started with the March Madness, with March Madness, yeah. the tournament of upsets, and my God, as yeah, we couldn't, you know, we we did see a couple of upsets last week, but man, yeah. we thought, you know, we thought, okay, there's still there still has to be the possibility that we could see some number ones make it to the uh to the championship or at least maybe to the not final four. But nope, not this year because we are all out of number ones now. Alabama is now gone. I'm yeah, not well, surprised you You're not surprised at Alabama? No, no, I'm not surprised. I didn't think Alabama had enough to get to get all the way of it. I mean, okay, I'll grant me had a good season, but you know, I, I just think they just didn't have anything to go all the way. I mean, you know, they, I think they're still a few years away from, you know, making it that far. I mean, it was their first winning season in, what, uh, two or three decades? So, I really wasn't surprised that, you know, they got ousted um, towards toward this round. They just didn't have enough, I don't think, to carry them through. Huh. Yeah, you know, it's it, it seemed it, it seemed kind of odd that you know they had they had such a great season, and yeah. I found it interesting that in the moment where it mattered the most, Brandon Miller disappeared with only nine points, only nine points against San Diego State, and this was a guy who was looked at as pretty much, you know. You know the the uh, he was looked at as the as the uh, the player of the tournament essentially, right? And the, you know he was considered to be the the unanimous front runner, and now in the mo probably one of the ones where where it where it mattered the most, he completely you know you know he completely disappeared. That allowed San Diego State to basically uh take over basically they end up winning 71 to 64 they will meet they will meet Creighton tomorrow night uh yeah. after Creighton dispatched Princeton and 
uh, you I talked to you earlier and you weren't you weren't shocked by that. You thought you didn't think that Princeton's uh, magical run was going to last much longer. No, when you get to a 15-16 in that kind of situation, uh, the gas tank is going to run empty at that point. You know, you're lucky to get through, you know, one. I mean, one upset, you know, at that kind of a seat, yeah, that's possible. But uh, when you get down to it later, the more experienced teams, you know, always seem to prevail. Yeah, which is, you know, it's very surprising, the fact that we've seen so many experienced teams fall. Uh, FAU, they took out, well, after they ended the Cinderella the Cinderella run of, of uh, FDU, they took out the Volunteers, and then just uh, just about an hour ago, they took out Kansas State. Yeah. They have now booked themselves to meet the winner of San Diego State and Creighton, which obviously that game is set for tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, we've seen so many big-name universities fall here, Lou. Yeah. Uh, with... Obviously, you know, te- Texas, they handled Xavier 83-71. to They're set to take on Miami tomorrow, who dispatched number one seeded Houston 89-75. to Houston, you have a problem. And, yeah, it, 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 just seemed, it just seemed kind of uh, – it seems kind of odd, the fact that there's no number one seeds in – the in the uh, elite eight. I mean, you take a look yeah. at some of the number one seeds that were still in the running last week. Kansas they narrowly lost to Arkansas. Of course, you know Houston and Houston and, and Alabama they made it to the Sweet Sixteen, but then you know it, it it just almost seems like this tournament is the tournament of the underdogs this year. And all this time, I thought the underdogs could never win because I always thought, you know, that they just can't seem to pull it off at the end. But this year is a completely different story. And right now, we could be—I I, don't—I don't know uh, if you're watching UConn and Gonzaga yes. right now, Lou. Oh, uh, I don't know if could we consider this an upset if UConn beats no. Gonzaga? No. These are two powerful teams. This can this can go in either direction. The only thing I have a the only thing I look at with this though, Lou, is that Gonzaga has been to the dance more than once recently. Yes. You know, so. But UConn's not. I would almost, I would almost consider this an upset if UConn beats Gonzaga because everybody's expecting Gonzaga mm-hmm. to make it there again. Well, UConn, with, UConn this season has been a little bit of a surprise, but I've seen UConn play before, and you know how they've always managed to uh, step up when they when they seem like um, everybody has given up on them. I've seen UConn come by this before. If you recall, um, I forget which final it was, but they just got barely done in their conference tournament. They won that, and they went on to win uh, the, NCAA, the NCAA tournament. So the UConn wouldn't surprise me if, if they do this either. That's the kind of team they are. And one th- you know, one thing I got to say about UConn is we saw how they we saw how they uh, how they dismantled uh, Arkansas 
the other night. Yep. But also, I mean, they have just you – t- you take a look at, at the lineup that they put out there. They got some big dudes in the, on this year's team. I mean, we're talking we're talking guys who can basically rebound. They can even if they miss shots, they can continue rebounding the ball and get second chance opportunities like it's nothing. I mean, just taking a look, uh, for example, one of the players that they have, uh, Adama Sando, uh, Adama Sanogo, who averaged right. about I think it was fifty percent from the floor. And now he's averaging in this tournament. He's averaging seventy-five percent from the floor in this tournament, and he's averaging about nine more points per game compared to what he was what he was giving UConn during the regular season. I mean, it, it just it, it you, you really take a look at this group, and yeah. it's you know it, it's legitimate that you could you could actually see them potentially beating Gonzaga tonight. I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, some would argue that if it wasn't for Drew Timmy and him basically taking over uh taking over games for Gonzaga this year, some would argue that maybe Gonzaga doesn't even make it this far. If he if he decided to declare for the NBA draft last year and not return to Gonzaga, some would argue that Gonzaga may not have even made it this far. Well, I thought they would have made it this far, you know, really. But, you know, to say that uh, UConn would be an upset, no. This game's going to win either way. I mean, that was a tough matchup between Gonzaga and UCLA, but I knew that was going to be that kind of a game. I mean, these two... You know, they know each other, I think, a little bit too well. They know their strategies. So that game was going to go right down to the end. That game also went either, either direction. Yeah, you know, you know. Uh, admittedly, I didn't get to watch the entire game uh, with Gonzaga and UCLA, considering, considering the fact that it took pretty much, uh, you know, I was basically essentially falling asleep. Uh, you know, not not because the game was boring, far from it, but uh, right. because you know I could ju- I could barely keep my eyes open uh, after after a long day. Uh, but somehow Gonzaga was able was able to withstand UCLA in the second half, and thanks to a three point jumper followed by a free throw by Julian St- uh, Strother. They were able to seal the deal, seventy-nine to seventy-six, and what was Great basically game. a back-and-forth game in this entire second half. It went all along. It went all along. I mean, you even called this, uh, Lou, maybe perhaps one of the best games of college basketball you've ever seen. It makes me there to do one of those. I almost, I almost thought it was going to be like you know. Back in the 2021 uh, uh, semifinal game, because we were on the air that night when it happened, and it was a double overtime, and that ended on a buzzer beat. I'm like, oh my god. Well, it, you know, it, it's still 
it's it's amazing some of the games that you can that you can see when it comes down to the nitty gritty. And I'll tell you one thing: uh, Gonzaga's experience is probably what gave them the advantage over UCLA. Mm-hmm. The fact that they've been in crucial situations before in March Madness. And, I mean, obviously, you know, UCLA hasn't been to the dance in a while. And Gonzaga obviously has. So, I mean, you know, some people may not think that that experience is crucial, but it is. Because, I mean, you, we can see it here with Kansas State. You know, Kansas State hasn't been – you know, they haven't had sustained success in a long time. Not saying FAU has, but uh you could tell the way that they were the way that Kansas State, when they found themselves in a hole, they were trying to rush things and ultimately they ended up get you know, they still had some time on the clock that they could have potentially uh you know, they they could have potentially gotten off a shot and instead FAU stole the ball to seal the game. So, you know, it's definitely uh, – I'll, t- I'll tell you, this uh, this March Madness has probably been one of the more unusual March Madnesses that we've seen in quite some time. I mean – Well, you don't call March Madness nothing, you know. Oh, no. No, obviously not. Uh, but let's take a look at Miami and Texas uh, that they have uh, – they have set to play tomorrow. Who do you give the edge to in that? Which one? Uh, Texas and what was that? Texas and Miami. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. If I were a betting man, I think I have to go with Texas. But I have have ties to both teams because we have, of course, one of the callers is from Texas. My show the from Miami, and he is a diehard Miami fan. So uh, this is gonna this is gonna be uh, a bit ugly for me on either side. <laughs> but I think I'm gonna go with Texas. So I have more ties to that state anyway. Yeah, uh, you know it's weird because I always thought that Texas, you know, just just like how they usually do, usually Texas crumbles at some point. I'm actually kind of yeah. surprised that they've made it as far as they have so far. Uh, They're seeking their first Final Four appearance in nearly 20 years. Miami will be seeking their first ever Final Four appearance. Yeah. Well, sorry, Jimmy, but uh, Miami's going to be running out of luck, I think. Oh, Jimmy's the the Miami fan? Yeah, yeah, Jimmy's the Miami. Men's and women's. Who's the... uh... Who's the Texas uh, fan? You mean Gerald? Who was it? Gerald. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. You know what? That's right. That's right. I forgot. I remember. Uh, I remember hearing something uh, during your show whenever. Yeah. Whenever you had brought up, uh, you had brought up stuff from Texas. Usually, he was the when he was on. He was usually the one to comment on all that. Right. Now, if I can get my sister-in-law to do the same thing, since she's from Texas. But no. 
Well, what about uh, San Diego State and Creighton? Now, I, hate Creighton. I remember. I, hate I, I remember you. I remember you had said something about Creighton. You you had Creighton uh, making it kind of far, but not. Uh, but to not expect them to, you know, actually have a shot. Right. Well, Creighton is our well, Creighton is our Big East worst enemy, and uh, you know I. Uh, because they always manage to beat Seton Hall and whatnot, so uh, I have a I have a personal disgust with uh, Creighton itself. Yeah. So you got San Diego State then? Yes. Kind of hard to think about. Somebody rooting from the East Coast rooting for a West Coast team. Well, that's the reason why. Well, you know, I had re- I had read that San Diego State had uh, had been on quite a tear even this season, so. You know, uh, however, though, Creighton, ESPN is giving Creighton the edge. What a shock. Surprisingly, 30, or 65.4% to 34.6%. Yeah. However, though, both teams are yeah. looking to reach the Final Four for the first time. So, e- either way, there is going to be a new team in the Final Four with this matchup. And this is the earlier of the two matchups tomorrow. This one takes place at 220. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I find interesting, though, is you take a look at the drastic difference between both records. Creighton is 24 and 12. San Diego State is 30 and 6. Mm-hmm. Creighton, their leading score is has 15.9 points per game. San Diego State their leading score is 12.8 points per game. So what that tells me is San Diego State is more spread out when it comes to their scoring. They don't rely on just one singular person. That's fine. I mean, you know, I mean, okay, some teams have one person that dominates the game. Others have teams that spread out. Nothing wrong with that. It's fine. No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I, I, I find it interesting that maybe perhaps, you know, that could potentially give them the edge, the fact that they they don't have to rely on, you know, one single person to, well, you know, to get them all, a majority of their points. Because you just can't always rely on one person anyway. Sometimes you have, especially since, you know, if one of your top players gets hurt, you're going to need those extra people to help spread it around. So, exactly. It's good. It's good logic. Yeah, depth depth is what really matters, honestly. Uh, you know, yeah. especially it, when you go into any kind of tournament. I mean, hell, you look at, uh, you know, if we go to the NHL, you know, uh-huh. you know how you know how gruesome the NHL is. Don't I know it? Especially in the playoffs. Yeah, and your Bruins, yep, of course, first the division. Oh, what a shock! Yeah, they did clinch the they did clinch the Atlantic, but you know, uh, like I said, like I said previously, I'm not, I'm not putting any any holding into yeah. that. I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's preferable because we would then get to face either the Islanders or Pittsburgh. <sighs> 
pick your poison. Uh, yeah, I mean, either one is... I mean, we've done a lot better against the Islanders than recent yeah. uh than recent years and Pittsburgh is always a tough challenge. Uh but you know, I just even though even though Boston may very well win the President's Cup and may uh President's Trophy and maybe perhaps they might set the record. I believe they're what, six wins away? Uh yeah, and they're one win away from breaking from tying their own record. Yeah, you know, I, I do I do know that they passed the record that they had the last time they won the uh President's trophy, which was a couple of years ago. Uh they have a, they have a better record right now than they did back then. But yeah. uh you know, I just I, I I'm not sold on them being like right. you know I'm not I'm not one of those I'm not one of those fans that's gonna that's gonna say oh they're definitely winning the Stanley Cup they're definitely winning the Stanley Cup because uh, obviously the NHL is a completely different monster in the playoffs but I will you know I will say this I do love the acquisitions that Don Sweeney did at the deadline I hope they get to work on a contract extension for both Garnet Hathaway and also uh Dmitry Orlov so far they have produced so well since being uh acquired by Sweeney before the deadline and you know they are going to be very instrumental when it comes to managing certain uh you know managing the depth that the bruins have right now mm-hmm. and you know how you know how it is Lou. it's basically next man up whenever yeah. you know when whenever somebody goes down you have to have that mentality of next man up and uh so far you know, the Bruins, even if they've gotten any type of injuries, like, you know, Taylor Hall is out uh, until the playoffs and Nick Foligno is out until the playoffs. They've, uh, they've had Taylor people. Hall is on Jackson the devil. Yeah. But, you know, here, here's the thing though. Taylor Hall, he was en route to a 20, to a 20 goal season before he got injured here this year. Uh-huh. So. You know, he was he was well en route to a 20-goal season or more. And obviously the injury has basically stopped him at – I think he's at 16 goals right now. But, uh, you know, so far what they've done is they've moved Pavel Zacha up onto the second line. And it almost seems like, what you know, the the – the Bruins train has ba- basically hasn't stopped. And not to mention the solid goaltending that they're getting from the duo of uh, Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that it's, that it's a sure thing, but Bruins fans have to be very optimistic heading into, heading into the playoffs uh, with the, with the way that the season has gone this year for them. 
I mean, they hold the number one goal differential in the league at plus 117. They also hold the, uh, I, I believe they're number one in the league in goals against at mm-hmm. only 154 goals against. So, you know, it's definitely something for fans to look forward to. Now, there are some teams, uh, Lou, that are still trying to get into the playoffs, uh, and one of them who made a huge splash at the deadline looks like they may be cut short as the Ottawa Senators will be without Jacob Chitrin for weeks with a lower body injury, out a couple of weeks, according to their head coach, DJ Smith. Uh, And he's had five points, two goals, and three assists in 12 games with the Ottawa Senators. And he's been averaging about 21 minutes of ice time per game. Uh, However, he ended up injuring himself in one of their more recent games. So Mm. they're currently five points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins for the second wild card in the Eastern Conference. So these... Uh, depending on how long he's out, you know, that, that that's going to be a major blow for the Ottawa Senators. And also a major blow is, is Andre Stechnikov's injury to, uh, you know, for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. You know, with, with him undergoing knee surgery, he'll miss not only the remainder of the regular season, but he's out for the playoffs as well. And, I mean, it's it's going to be very hard to replace a guy who put up 23 goals and 32 assists in 64 games. Yes. You know, it's not it's not easy to replace to to you know replace a player of that caliber and just let it and you know just make it immediately go through like it's nothing. If you can think that means something, uh, yeah. It's very hard to do that. Very. Uh, Some other bits of news around the NHL. Uh, Patrick Laine is out for two to four weeks for the Columbus Blue Jackets with a strain of his tricep muscle. Uh, He injured himself during a practice drill, and he's been the second leading scorer for the Columbus Blue Jackets this year. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Columbus is nowhere nowhere near a playoff spot. Uh, yeah, they're well, practically they're eliminated. They haven't done anything this season. Their season was over yeah. from like day two. Yeah, and it's it's funny that, you know, at the deadline – they considered those, they considered themselves sellers, but yet it took them forever to get a deal done to send Vladislav Gavrikov out of town. Yes. But anyways, pa- uh, Patrick Laine, uh, 52 points this year, 22 goals, 30 assists, and 55 games for the Blue Jackets. And needless to say, you know, he – could have been potentially trade bait, but because he's 24 years old, he's looked at as uh, a player for the future for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, uh, 
he's obviously going nowhere as they look to uh, start to you know to uh, start up their rebuild. Yeah. Uh, looking at the playoff landscape as it stands right now, going in the Eastern Conference. You have, of course, the uh, starting with the Atlantic Division. You have the Boston Bruins clinching the Atlantic Division today uh, with a two-to-one victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they are currently 56-11 and five with 117 points. Uh, let's see. In second, in second in the Atlantic, you have the Toronto Maple Leafs at 43-19 and nine with 95 points. Followed by the Tampa Bay Lightning at 42-26-6 with 90 points. Uh, in the Metropolitan Division, you have the Carolina Hurricanes. They have locked up a playoff spot at 46-16-8. They lead the New Jersey Devils by two points for the Metropolitan Division title. And they lead the Rangers by four points as well. Uh, the mm. New Jersey Devils have 98. The New York Rangers have 96. So that race is still a very mm. tight race. Tighter than it was last and week. What was that, Lou? Tighter than it was last week for sure. Yes, it definitely it definitely is tighter than it has been in quite some time. And you know, a lot of people may not may not uh, believe in this, but seeding is actually very important. Yes, I think so. Especially, you know, when it comes to playoff time. Uh, Let's see. The two wildcard spots in the East, you have the New York Islanders at 37-28-9 for 83 points and the Pittsburgh Penguins at 35-27-10 for 80 points. Uh, Those conceivably on the outside looking in the Florida Panthers with 79 points, both the Buffalo Sabres and the Washington Capitals with 76 points and the Ottawa Senators with 75 points. Those that I believe are still in reach, that is. Mm -hmm. Uh, For the Western Conference, you have the Vegas Golden Knights leading the way starting in the Pacific Division at 45-21-6 for 96 points. The LA Kings following right behind them, 42-20-10 with 94 points. The Edmonton Oilers, 41-23-8 with 90 points. In the Central Division, you have the Minnesota Wild at 42-22-9 for 93 points. Dallas at 39-19-14 with 92 points. And the uh, defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche are well in it, 42-23-6 for 90 points. And their two wild card positions right now are occupied by the Seattle Kraken at 40-24-8 with with, uh, 88 points. And the Winnipeg Jets at 41-30-3 for 85 points. On the outside looking in, Really, honestly, there's only two teams that are actually in consideration here. The Calgary Flames at 33, 26, and 15 with 81 points, just four points behind Winnipeg. And the mm-hmm. Nashville Predators at 36, 27, and 8 with 80 points. Uh, okay. Other than that, the next, the next closest team is St. Louis at 32, 33, and 6 with 70 points, 15 points behind. So, 
that's likely not going to happen. So it's pretty much down to a four-team race for the Western Conference wild card. But let's bring in uh, let's bring in Alex. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Alex? Hey, what's up, guys? Watch, I just got back from dinner and watching. Um, always love getting on the show and um, watching UConn right now. Not to pull up, pull off that sounds like some good hockey talk, but yeah, UConn's in a battle. Gonzaga just took their first lead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, it, uh, obviously we were just, we were just discussing uh, the playoff picture, but I mean, you know, we've been talking March Madness as well uh, earlier oh, tonight. Cool. Uh, Alex, you know, I want to get your thoughts because, uh, you know, we first off we finally got you into Sports Whispers, and yeah, it's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been I've I've been looking I've been looking over your profile and I saw that you are a huge uh, UConn fan. What do you think of UConn's chances here? Uh not just tonight, but if they potentially move forward uh yeah. into the final four. Yeah, well first I'm psyched that Sports Whispers is a great group, so I'm I'm excited and love always hanging out talking with you guys. Um yeah, UConn right now there's I guess they're people are saying they're as hot as any team in the country. So you know, it's like they're it's going down to the wire. They have another week if they keep winning, they can they can kinda Quietly, they they can come out of nowhere and win a national championship. Um, Gonzaga's got that 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 excellent pedigree though. They've been in these spots before, so I don't know if if you, if me, you, and Lou walked into this gym tonight, and we were watching this game in person. I, yeah. UConn looks just as talented. They're they're probably bigger and faster, so I, they have a great shot tonight. Um, right. And if they win tonight, then I mean, they they blasted Arkansas, and and I have respect for Arkansas. Um, I don't know if they would do that. Like, if they played ten times, they'd probably win four or five of them. But, they, I mean, they're just not yeah. higher right now. So, they have momentum, yeah. man. Which is the, the best thing in sports, they have momentum. Yeah. You know, you know, and I, I want to bring this up since you mentioned Arkansas. Uh, you know, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Jim, if you're listening tonight. But, to be perfectly it, it, honest, you know, Arkansas was not – you know, they were playing as if they were still going off of the high of beating Kansas. You yeah, know, I felt it like they were like, not really like they they just were like kind of like flat. Where UConn was, I, like like I said, man. Honestly, I think Arkansas and UConn, if they played ten times, like Arkansas might even win six. You know, what I mean, they're very even. Uh, but yeah, UConn yeah, you, came out and just started firing out early. The thing that just bothered me was because I, I, Arkansas is a pretty big team in terms of height. They are pretty yeah. damn big you know, on all of their, all of their positions. But yet for some reason, UConn just kept beating them and beating them and beating them when it came to rebounds and second chance yeah. opportunities. You know, it was, yeah. it was like, ser- seriously, what am I, you know, the, you know, this isn't the Arkansas team that I've been watching all season. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And I, UConn I just kept them destroying much, them. Yeah. You're right. They had size, and they weren't really uh, throwing their muscle around. I mean, UConn was just grabbing those random boards, and as you guys know, I mean, it's so important. By the end of the game, you know, UConn had like 10 or 12 or 14 points where here the rebound, they wouldn't have had those points. So, I mean, UConn just outworked them on the glass, and that's like <laughs> rebounds and turnovers are two of the biggest things in basketball. And UConn yeah. dom- kind of dominated both. So you're not going to beat a team if you can't. Can't do either. You can't win either battle. 
Now, what do, what do you think, because uh, Lou and I discussed this earlier, uh, what do you think, you know, with Gonzaga, let's let's assume that they go into the second half uh, yeah. trailing UConn here. What do you think oh. Gonzaga's chances are? Do you think that, are, are we going to see, be, you know, because of the, because of the experience that, the, that their players have of actually having been to the big dance before, uh, yeah. You know, having played for a national title, do you think we're going to see Gonzaga, you know, keep their keep their composure, keep their focus, or could we potentially see something like we saw earlier with Kansas State, where Kansas State fell behind and they all of a sudden started trying to scramble, and they basically never regained their lead over FAU. Yeah. That's a good question. I think definitely I would err on the side of, um, you know, obviously don't count Gonzaga out. Like you said, they have the background, they have the resume, they know how to they know how to win under pressure. So I don't know. It's interesting. The UConn's like a slight underdog, so I thought Gonzaga would feel the yeah. pressure. But the more I think about it, I don't know about you guys, but it, I don't know. Gonzaga's like used to being in control, so it's tough to decide well, who's under more pressure. Are, they only, not always. Yeah. But I mean, I thought you. I don't. You, you guys see the UCLA game? I thought Gonzaga would. UCLA should have won that game. So the, uh, this isn't. This isn't as devastating as as awesome a uh, Gonzaga lineup that I've that we've typically seen. I don't think. So they're yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I, re- I remember earlier uh, earlier today, you know, on Lou's show, he had said that. Uh, UCLA and Gonzaga was perhaps one of the uh, one of the one of the best college basketball games that he's ever seen. Yeah, I, we were talking. Lou and I were the other night when I was going down, just on on Facebook, or whatever. Yeah. I shot him a message, and yeah, the ending was incredible. But yeah, I mean, Gonzaga just came out of nowhere to win it at the end. I thought, I don't know. We've seen Gonzaga; they've lost a couple games, kind of big this year. They're just not as they're not as powerful as they typically all right i don't think so i think you got a great shot here yeah i mean uconn currently uh with about a minute 18 left in the first half they are leading gonzaga by seven right now so i mean we've seen you know we've seen leads disappear before in this uh tournament so you know there any anything's possible especially with gonzaga the the fact that you know they have the experience edge uh, in terms of players who are currently playing, who have been there before, but I mean, honestly, to be perfectly honest, watching as this game continues here, UConn is just bigger. Yeah, they're they're just really bigger freshmen. They have that seven-two freshman off the bench who's really good. He's an, apparently I've been reading more about their players than NBA guy, and he comes in off the bench. And then they have that guy Calcaterra, the blonde guy who's like yep. a really good athlete. He's off the bench. It, I, I didn't even know much about him. They were Van Gundy, the, the announcers were talking about him earlier. He was a four-year starter and the leading scorer in like San Diego history, and he just transferred to UConn. So like that's, that's two awesome players right there that come off the bench. A really dangerous UConn team, and they have size. Uh, honestly, if you, take, if you take Drew Timmy and Julian Strother away from Gonzaga – you would kind of argue that they're not even in this right now. Yeah. I and mean, you could they, do the old thing. Like it's like football or baseball. You know what I mean? That's a good uh, way to look at things. If you took Sam and Strather, yeah. Like the the next like four or five best players tonight might all be Huskies. 
So they're yeah. kind of, they have kind of like, I think they have a little bit of an advantage overall with their roster. But Gonzaga has the experience. I mean, I, but, you know, you take a look at, you, you take a look at how UConn has spread all their points around. You know, Caravan so far with seven points. Uh, Sonogo and Hawkins both with six. Jackson yeah. Jr. with eight. Newton with four. Meanwhile, you look at Gonzaga, Timmy and Strother both have nine. Hickman wow. has zero. Bolton only has two, and Watson only has four. And Not a, they're, one of they're their really bench guys. Yeah, sorry, man. Go for it. Well, I was I was just gonna say the only other big scorer so far for them is one of their bench one of their bench guys, Malachi Smith, has five off of the bench. So yeah. it just it it, it kind of seems like and and you know I brought up this point earlier with San Diego State. It kind of seems like UConn. They don't rely on one particular player to take over a game. You know, yeah, they right. have they multiple very, uh, they have multiple very capable scorers. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I like Tanogo too. Yeah, they have they spread it on Hawkins. Um, it's almost like they don't have the big superstar like Ray Allen or Rip Hamilton in their in their glory days, but they have just like five or six or seven. You know, really, just good players, right? And that's that, that, that's what it takes, really. I mean, at the end of the day, there's yeah. less teams out there, and they keep winning. I mean, they're like eight days away. You can look at it that way, eight or nine days away from winning it. They got they got yep. to get through the, the Gonzaga tonight. And by the way, for what it's worth, uh, the game opened with UConn by two and a half. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting, because so, they're, they're obviously not as good a seed as Gonzaga. Yeah. But, um, I guess, yeah, because of the momentum, the way they're playing. I mean, I, you know, honestly, you take a look at it. If they can get past Gonzaga, obviously they'll meet the winner of Miami and Texas, which uh, that is scheduled for tomorrow. That's scheduled to be the second game of uh, tomorrow's uh, matchups. And obviously FAU already advanced with a 79 to 76 win over Kansas State. Uh, Creighton and San Diego State meet up tomorrow. At, I think it's like 220 or something in the first wow. of the two matchups for tomorrow. I mean, Alex, doesn't it doesn't it kind of seem weird this year the fact that you know there's so many lower seeds remaining compared to yeah. you know. It almost seems like every year we're always looking at a couple of number ones or a couple of number twos still in it in the Elite Eight. Yeah, this this year has got some great parity. Yeah. It's a really good mix. And I love – I'm not kind of corny, but it's, hey, I always like it. I like I like rooting for the smaller schools or the underdogs. It's fun. I don't think anyone really wants to see it. It's just like any sport. You always want to see a couple of random kind of underdogs in the mix. No one wants to see all, you know top four teams and even the NBA or NHL. It's always fun when a hot team randomly sneaks in there. And in this tournament, there's several, there's several smaller kind of out of nowhere squads that are, that are showing up. It's really, it's been a really fun uh, March Madness. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely, oh, and a huge basket by UConn to end the half. Wow. Three pointer. It's not, it's 39 to 32 UConn at the end of the first half. Wow. Yeah, sorry, I get blasting on the 
<laughs> in the sunroom out here. Hold on, let me turn it down. Wide open. Wide open wow. by Caravan. Well, I like it. So, I, you know, this is probably the clo- the closest that UConn has gotten since, what, the Kemba Walker days? Yes. Yeah. Oh, those, I always say Rip Hamilton and Ray, Ray on. How am I forgetting about Kemba? Damn. Shame on me. <laughs> oh, because Kemba has never been because Kemba has never been the same since he got drafted. Oh, yeah, right. that's true. Well, he wasted away in Charlotte, and then when he <laughs> and when he started bouncing around, he, his knees out gave out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So Kemba and Ray Allen, real quick, they won it together. No, it was Kemba and and Richard Hamilton on the same team, I believe. I don't know. Uh, they have two titles. I, think it's I thought Rip Hamilton was earlier. 2014, 2011. I thought Rip Hamilton was earlier. I think, yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because recently, this year, I think he's on Detroit and got waved. It just sucks. His, his knees gave out. Wait a minute. Let me see. So Kemba won I mean, it in awesome 2011. Teams, uh, Mecca Oka, Mecca Okafor, they've had, they had a couple really stacked teams. Yeah, they had Okafor. Let me see. Another bust in the let NBA. Me, yeah, let, let me see if I can. Let me see if I can actually bring up that. Oh, they had Jeremy. Uh, wait. Did they Jeremy have Lamb. Jeremy Lamb? Yeah, they had Jeremy Lamb. They had Shabazz Napier. Oh, I Back then, yeah, and, you know that's a that's a guy who was actually considered to be a washout. You know, a lot of people had high hopes for Shabazz Napier when he came when he came out totally. of college, and then he was like a journeyman. He's playing overseas. Yeah, I mean, goes to show how much I know at the end of the day with with hoops. I I thought I was like, man, this guy's going to be like an all star in the NBA, and then he's like languishing on someone's bench. He was incredible as a college player. Yeah. Well, let me so take a, let me take a like, look he here. Was, he was more of like a heroic effort than I don't think any Husky have ever seen. I think that one year, remember, he was scoring like 35 or 40 every game for like a month. Yeah. He was yeah. like a one-man army. He's like a one-man and, army. Uh, and, uh, Am- Am- Ameka Okafor was not on that team. Oh, no, okay. not that Not that year, at least. Oh, they had Travis Knight, the big kind of, well, decent big. <laughs> It's a but, I mean, you know, I'm looking at the box score from from that final. Uh, Kemba Walker with 16 points, Jeremy Lamb with 12, uh, Alex Ariaki with 11, oh, yeah. and we had a couple of a couple of four pointers and a couple of two pointers off of the bench. Wow! But it was actually yeah. a pretty low scoring game, 53 to, 53 to 41. Wow! In that one, very low scoring. Is well. So what do we got at that? They're up nine or seven. Uh, seven. Seven. Nice. Yeah, but you guys know the deal too. I mean, that can go in a flash. Good dog can come can come right back out. Right. So they gotta. You kind of gotta open up red hot in the second half. So you know, let's go over to the majors for a minute here because I want yeah. to talk about a certain somebody who uh, has been very polarizing in his time in the bigs. And he (laughs) wore out his welcome in Cleveland. He wore out his welcome in Boston. He wore out his welcome in Brooklyn. And now apparently, in record time, (laughs) he is already wearing out his welcome in Dallas. Uh Uh-huh. 
Shocker. <laughs> yes. As he's already getting booed out of uh he's wow. getting booed out of the arena by Dallas fans already. I didn't uh-huh. see that. That's not shocking, but wow. I that's did. amazing. You guys had mentioned a couple of weeks ago, hey, if someone can turn him around, hopefully it's Cuban. But, yeah, he's not even – I don't think he's salvageable. He's a, just a complete head worse. Case. Complete head case. And at Some the same time – Some people are never happy time, to one of those people. He's not helping himself either. Uh, he commented nope. on the boost that he's been receiving, and he said, so what? You obviously want to play well, but but you – it's only five people on the court that can play for da- for the Dallas Mavericks. If the fans want to trade places, then hey, be my guest. Got years of work ahead to be great enough to be on this level. So he's, so he's already showing his ass. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, not even uh, like may- maybe a month into playing for Dallas. Oh yeah, he'll talk bad about fans. You guys remember he talked really really bad about the media. He's like, oh, you bunch of fools. You don't have a real job. You have no right to cover me. Like, I don't even want to speak to any of you. He just, like, basically just craps on uh, a lot of people every day with his mouth. He's just an angry, divisive, pissed-off person with uh, $200 million in the bank playing a sport that we all wish we could play. <laughs> He's just yeah. like, wow, Kyrie, yeah, life's so hard for you. Uh, I mean, uh, Lou, what are your, what are your thoughts? Cause... <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, you've been uh you know, you've ta- you've talked quite a bit about, about the Brooklyn Nets, you know, during Kyrie's time with the Nets. Uh what what are your thoughts on Kyrie now wearing out his welcome in yet another city? How about that? He carries the poison with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's your problem he's your problem now. I mean we got rid of our <laughs> headache. Now he's your headache. So uh, welcome to the club. Yeah. Cuban's got to be actually, livid. I like I like Mark Cuban. He's got to be like, wow, they I were right. Even I even I can't fix him. <laughs> Cuban messed up. He sure did. Yeah, he's probably saying now, what? The, why the fuck did I get rid of Spencer Dinwiddie and oh, Dorian Finney-Smith? And now it makes you with him whip. Yeah, you get involved with like the crazy uh, neighbor or a crazy girl or you know partner, and then it's like. You knew what you yeah. were probably getting into, but you thought, oh, it'd be okay. But yeah, it's, he's been horrendous. Oh. Like you said, he's already like basically getting booed out of Dallas. He's been there what two months? It's ridiculous. Yeah, the whole crowd was booing him. <laughs> so now they went from they went well, from the six and four. They went from six and four in their last ten games to now three and seven in their last ten games. That's been both Luca and him in the lineup. Wow. They yes. Nothing. Yes, with both Luca and him in the lineup. And to top it all off, they are currently out of a playoff spot. Imagine that. Having both Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving on your roster, and you guys are currently not even in the mix to make the playoffs right now. Well, the the thing is, they've always had – what what are they were they were Luca and like a, some like shooters like Bullock and Hardaway and like not really good big guys. Powell is like whatever. Yeah. Uh, but now it's like and then they traded uh, 
like a good bigger defensive guy, Dinwiddie, and they traded by far and away. They're really good, a really good defender, uh, Finney Smith. So now they have like right. two ball hogs. Now they have like two ball hogs that are really talented offensive players, but now they have like no defense, no rebounding, and oh, a yeah. headache named Kyrie. So now it's like their offense they is even, really not that good. And their most recent loss was to the Charlotte Hornets. Who oh, are yeah. very <laughs> severely undermanned. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's just awful. Was that in Dallas? Did they, they get food off the court? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they oh, didn't even – here's the thing, yeah. too. Charlotte didn't even have Terry Rozier in the lineup. Wow. And LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball is obviously injured. Their, their only real big threat that they had in the lineup – well, actually, no. There are two big threats. I should, I should say, were Gordon Hayward and PJ Washington. Those were literally wow. their two big threats against I'm Dallas. I'm telling you, man. It's like and, they, they, Dallas, like with the combo. It's like a video, like a 2K or like, you know, wow, like video game. What, like, yeah. dude, I, I have Luca and Kyrie, but like in real life, <laughs> they have like not. They really have no one, no one else. Like, no defense, no rebounding. It's just not yeah. working. They both need the ball to be uh, to be uh, happy and successful. Well, Kyrie can never be happy in his life; that's been proven. But like to be effective, both of them need to have the ball. It's a weird marriage, and then they have no other really no no defense, no rebounding. It's a terrible mix. Yep, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, in that game last night, Irving had 18 points, seven assists, and nine rebounds. Luka Doncic had 34 points, 10 rebounds, and eight assists. And yet, despite all that, they still lost by eight points to the uh, – hang on. What is their record again? Hang on. They lost to the we'll 24 – to the 24-51 and 51 Charlotte Hornets. Wow. Yep. And that's, that's – you guys know it from, from New Jersey – or sorry, from Brooklyn and obviously Boston, too. That's – this is classic Kyrie. Once he starts really getting pissed off and becoming a real jerk, then the team the team just totally gets negative. The team just goes into a tailspin because he's supposed to be the leader, and he's poisonous. Yeah. So now, like you he said, they're losing to Charlotte. Tenure is stay in Boston as well as Brooklyn. They were playing awful, and they were just like, but we got to get rid of this guy. Now Dallas is like, holy sh! They were right. Yeah. Well, that's oh, well, you know, buddy. It was. It wasn't just that, but also uh, he actually no showed maybe the most important game in the playoffs for Boston, his final so year. He no showed again, making tens of millions of dollars playing a sport like such an awesome position to be in, and the guy's just total cancer. I hate to use the word, but he's just cancerous. Uh, it, it, it was just fucking astounding watching, especially, you know, when he uh, – the thing is, the thing that really pissed off Celtics fans is it's not the fact that he left. It's not the fact that he left. The fact that he came out and said during a uh, during a season ticket holder uh, exclusive event at the TD Garden, he came out he, – he made a surprise visit, and he said to the crowd – I will be there, or I will stay if you will have me, which Celtics fans loved. Celtics fans loved having Kyrie on the roster. 
Yeah. And then Kyrie Kyrie went on this whole and Kyrie went on this whole thing about how Boston is racist and everything. And then oh, you know God. he just he made that he made that promise to the season ticket holders. And when he immediately jumped and left as as quickly as he could, that uh-huh. pissed off Celtics fans. And then it pissed them off even further when uh, Brooklyn. When they when they beat them or when Brooklyn beat Boston in the playoffs that next year, or the first year that they had uh, KD and Kyrie both together and healthy, uh, Irving yeah. went. Uh, Irving after the game walked to center court and wiped his feet on the <laughs> lucky uh, logo. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a blatant show of disrespect that he just doesn't give a fuck. Essentially, I'll give so, if people, so if people want to, people may want to call Boston racist. Which I mean, yeah, okay, you know there is a history, there is a well-known yeah, history, yeah, but we're not, I'm you sorry. know, we're not booing, Ky- we're not booing Kyrie because he's black. We're booing Kyrie because he doesn't give a fuck about us, and we don't get now we don't give a fuck about him. And dude, I'm definitely, I'm definitely very open-minded. I don't, we're not talking politics, but like for him to say that is absolute BS. They obviously put everything on a platter for him. He, again, he makes tons of money. He's lauded. His, the kids are wearing his jerseys. Boston, you, I'm sorry. When I see a game on ABC or ESPN, we're not like – it's not, not Salt Lake City, dude. That's the total BS old stereotype. Now, granted, yeah, I mean, obviously, like the Mikhail Ainge bird. <laughs> very very right, yeah. uh, emphasizing a certain look. That I could understand that. That was also – what? Uh, damn, we're getting old. That was also like 40 years ago, 35 years ago. Yeah. The times are changing. It's a very diverse, seems like a fun crowd, very loyal fan base. It's not a racist fan base. That's that's really insulting, I think, for those people. Yeah. And you, you know, I, I, th- I think it's telling that, I mean, hell, you had players like, uh, like Kevin Garnett and Ray yeah. Allen come in. And never, they yeah, never love. said anything about about the crowd being racist. And now they're back sitting courtside, like you know, uh, obviously Pierce and uh, KG mainly. But yeah, they, they, I don't, I don't. There's no smell or no hints of racism. They, they seem pretty uh, loyal and pretty indebted. Like they always come back. They have a lot of love for Boston. So yeah, of course, Kyrie's he's the one that he's always got a problem wherever he goes. So he's he's the type of jackass who would bring up such a ridiculous thing. Yeah, not surprised. So no, I'm the I one mean, guy Kyrie, I expect to hear. So, you, you know, yeah. Ky, Kyrie, you, Kyrie, you may want to call Celtics fans racist, but no, we're not. Ra- we're not booing you because no. we're racist. We're booing no. you because you right. literally did not give a single fuck about the city. Period. <laughs> Flaming prick, and we. Yeah, you know, you have to give you. one anything anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason we're booing you. We we loathe you. You're a terrible human. Just a dick. You know, maybe, maybe if you, maybe if, if you hadn't given that promise, and if you left, the, maybe if you left the team with, I don't know, some decency, maybe, the, maybe yeah. fans wouldn't be booing you right now. Yeah, and dude, but the thing is, he doesn't mean the word decency. It's a repeated whatever history repeats itself with him. He's always got this. He keeps doing it. Remember, Lou, your boys, Brooklyn. He was like. He he made some I random thing. Oh, you know what? I, I do want to stay here. I I'm sorry. I was acting up. I do oh, want to stay here. And then oh. right away he demanded he demanded a trade like 48 hours later. 
Yeah. Like, completely They're all over the place mentally. <laughs> Same thing as Boston. It's, it's, it's just uh, – I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing right now. They Dallas made a huge mistake. Yeah, acquiring they him did. without yeah. without without the promise of a contract extension, they made a huge mistake by acquiring yeah. Kyrie because I guarantee you, he's likely going to walk. Yeah, and I, dude, honestly, really again, I, so. it doesn't. He and Luca, I really don't think they fit, even with a contract. You know, that's a big reason. But like, yeah, I, overall, I just thought it was a bad idea overall. I didn't think it was going to work. So now it's not working. Kyrie's already leaving. <laughs> like, right. Uh, and Cuban's a very lot, you know, a yeah. lot more successful than I am. I'm not trying to knock him too much, but he messed this one up. Go ahead, do it, do it. He messed this one up. Yeah, I could see that. So, uh, looking at the playoff picture as it stands right now, in the Eastern Conference, we have three teams who have already locked up their spots: the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh yeah. Who are currently who are currently in the first seed? They have locked up a guaranteed playoff spot, so meaning that they do not have to play in the play-in tournament. The Boston Celtics they have also locked up a guaranteed playoff spot, and the Philadelphia 76ers are the most recent team to lock up a, a guaranteed playoff spot. Uh, teams that are still up for grabs: you have the Cleveland Cavaliers in the number four spot. The New York Knicks, very surprisingly, in the number five spot, even though they have lost their last three straight, uh, the Knicks have definitely uh, been building something very positive there under Tom Thibodeau in New York. Yeah. Uh, The Miami Heat, they are in the number six spot currently. Uh, In the play-in tournament, if the season were to end today, you would have the Brooklyn Nets, in the number seven spot, the Atlanta Hawks in the number eight spot, the Toronto Raptors in the number nine spot. So I guess, I guess Toronto being buyers at the deadline was actually good for them. Yeah. They were sneaky. I was was always saying, Hey, they might have a shot. They have a lot of like talented athletes. And yes, they made a good move with uh, adding their center portal. Yeah. Yaka, bringing back Yaka Pirtle, that really, uh, that really solidified uh, their their front court depth. Yeah, man. Siakam, uh, rookie of the year, Barnes, Van Fleet. They have a really good group, I think. They did get rid of Serge Ibaka, though. That kind of that kind of drew a question mark from me because, I mean, don't you want as much depth as possible? Yeah. Why would you? Why would you get rid of Serge? Maybe it's because Ibaka. I don't know if I don't know what his playing time has looked like this year. Maybe it's because of his playing time. But I would think you would probably want to keep somebody like that around. Yeah, I agree with you. That was a little bit puzzling. But yeah, I mean, and and just real quick on one of those other teams. I mean, the Knicks. Yeah. Speaking of people who are like with players or coaches almost leaving. Remember, there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, Thibodeau's outdated. He's like a tough guy." The the players really. They're tuning them out like it's not working. They're going to let go of them. And then they finally turn the corner. I mean, they were losing for a while, for like a year and a half, two years with them. And they yeah. stuck with them. They added, obviously, I know I said it before, but Josh Hart's really good defensive player. Now they have Randall playing like an all-star again. I mean, the, the Knicks are for real. And, you know, I, I, said this, I said this before. It would be a big mistake if they move on from Thibodeau because Thibodeau is very defensive-minded. 
And yeah. if you get rid of a defensive head coach, the Knicks defense, you know, the Knicks defense has been great this year. You get rid of Thibodeau, and you're probably going to see a potential huge drop off. <laughs> yeah. And look, what, and get like a D'Antoni? There's no D in D'Antoni. Yeah, no, Thibodeau. No, 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 no. I know it's a corny cliche, but it's true. Like, you know, kind of blue collar, rugged. The Knicks are over. They've always been a defensive. You know, Charles Oakley, John Starks, Anthony Mason. That's kind of their idea. Yeah. So I think Thibodeau's a good culture fit. And it, that's not that's not BS. That is a thing. That's what the fans love. And uh, they're playing really well now. Now they have enough scoring because now they have, like, Brunson and, and Randall's playing great. They I, they could they could go into the Final Four, I think. Boston will knock them off eventually. Yeah. And it's legit. And the final playoff, the final team in the play-in tournament right now, as as of uh, as of now at least, is the Chicago Bulls in the number ten spot. Uh, on the outside looking in, you have the Washington Wizards at thirty-three and forty-one. They're about uh, two and a half games behind Chicago for the final spot. Indiana at thirty-three and forty-two. They're three games behind. And the Orlando Magic at twenty-two and a half, or uh, thirty-one and forty-three. They're twenty-two and a half games behind. Uh, or in, in in the in the case of catching up to the Bulls, they're four and a half games behind the Bulls. So mathematically, they're not eliminated yet. But I would say honestly, maybe the Wizards and maybe with a stretch, the Pacers are really the only two teams left in consideration for that final spot in the play-in tournament. Over in the West, you have the Denver Nuggets, who have locked up the Northwest, uh, the Northwestern Division and also currently lead the Western Conference at 49 and 24. The Memphis Grizzlies, who are without, I believe they're still without Ja Morant, uh, at 46 and 27, they have locked up the Southwestern Division. Uh, let me double check real quick here. And actually, uh, no, he did return. So he is, he is back in games officially. Uh, but they currently stand at number two in the Western Conference, followed by the Sacramento Kings. You want to talk about a team that has completely turned themselves around? I mean, yeah, New York is a big one, but Sacramento, team that has been considered the, you know, the the redheaded stepchild of the Western Conference for so many years, you know, always always not being able to put together a competitive roster. But now you take a look at where they are right now. Third in the Western Conference. Yeah, that's amazing. They're making moves now. At 44 and 29. Then you have the Clippers at 39 and 35 at the number four spot. The Phoenix Suns at 38 and 35 in the number five spot, which is kind of surprising considering they have Kevin Durant, but yet they've lost their last three games. Wow. That's and, surprising. And the Golden State Warriors, here they come, of course, at 39 and 36. 
Uh, I, I can tell you this right now. If Golden State ends up making the playoffs, you can I don't care where they're seated. You can pretty much just wrap this all up. Yeah. Okay. We'll wrap it up. A, if, they, if they just get – all they need to do is just get in. All they need to they do can, is get in, and the referees will help them the rest of the way. They have to they can give a flying they, they don't. They, they, can, they can give two you-know-whats about out. They don't need home court or anything. They just want to get into the tournament. Right. Yeah. Because they'll win anywhere, with with or without the refs. <laughs> but, no, I mean, either way, yeah. Steph and Clay is, is lethal. They just need to get in. And and the other thing, too, is they've been playing without Andrew Wiggins, who's yeah. been dealing with personal issues. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought he was out for another reason. Wow. No, no. He's been dealing with, he's been dealing with personal issues, and uh, – there's been quite a few people who have been yeah. who have uh, who have been attacking fans uh, that have been questioning why Andrew Wiggins is out. Uh, there's been quite a few people around the league who have been attacking fans uh, when it comes to uh, you know their speculation about why he's yeah. out. They've talked about they've been talking about domestic violence and shit like that. Really. Yeah. He seems like he's a quiet. I, I don't know him obviously, but it seems, he doesn't seem like a questionable character. Mm-hmm. I thought he's a little bit soft because he was supposed to be like the next LeBron when he came in, but he he hasn't gotten in trouble and he's played really well for Golden State. So I didn't. I wouldn't look at that guy. And go, oh yeah, he's probably got something like weird going on. That's that's right. unfortunate that fans are going after. You know what I mean? He seems like a nice guy. So that's that's not who I would portray him to be. Yeah, it's. It's honestly, it's kind of disgusting uh, the way that people have been, the way that people have been, uh, have been putting stuff out there. But uh, according to, according to an anonymous player though, um, Uh. that basically he's dealing with quote unquote, some real shit. According to an anonymous According to an anonymous player uh, that has uh, given a statement to the Athletic. Wow, and like almost to like get the heat off of him. If it wasn't anything like maybe it's drugs or drinking or like you said domestic. If it wasn't anything like kind of bad, he or he or his like agent would have already said something just to like get people off his back. So yeah, maybe maybe there's something really really tough going on. Right, and. Uh, the one thing that was said, the one thing that was said is they is uh, they said they know why they meaning the players inside that locker room. He has okay. their grace. That says a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then you also have Steve Kerr. It's not like a weird franchise. It's a very proud, like good team. So if they have his back, then that's what counts. Right, but uh, regardless. You know that's why right now they're standing at thirty nine and thirty six, just on the cusp of being a guaranteed playoff spot. Right. Wow. The play-in tournament. You have the Timberwolves at thirty seven and thirty seven, tied with the surprise L.A. Lakers at thirty seven and thirty seven. 
Also, wow. the New Orleans Pelicans at 36 and 37, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have leapfrogged the Dallas Mavericks at 36 and 38. Wow. And think about that. Dallas. This is uh, this is an Oklahoma City Thunder without Chet Holmgren. Yeah, I love. I mean, they're just like so fun. Giddy, Gildas Alexander. <laughs> So just think about this. How if they can potentially get into the playoffs and they yeah. can prove that they're a playoff team with this team that they have right now, how much better are they going to be when Chet Holmgren becomes available? Mm. All right, what what are your thoughts on that, Lou? Mm. I don't really know. I don't, I don't really have a comment on that. But I think it could be a dangerous team. Alex, what do you think? Do you think that, uh, first off, that Oklahoma City has a legitimate shot? And also, um, also, do you think that, uh, or how do you think they'll they'll be when Chet Holmgren is available to play next year, and they have most of these players come back. Yeah, I think with, due to the fact that they are so young and that they're missing Chet, he should be a stud. I mean, they're not, I don't think they're going to win it all this year, but they have some awesome young talent. Yeah, they can win. They can win the first round, and then next year anything's yeah. possible. And they've quietly accumulated. They have like <laughs> they have like a, just a massive amount of draft picks coming up too. Right. Yeah, they have God knows how many draft picks. Yeah. All stocked up. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. On the outside looking in, you have the Dallas Mavericks at 36 and 38, the Utah yeah. Jazz at 35 and 38, and uh, just by default, considering they're pretty much the last team left uh, that's remaining, the Portland Trailblazers are still in the running at 32 and 41. Though it looks like they're probably they're probably going to be falling back. At I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're eliminated mathematically at some point coming up here. No. I, who do you have, Lou? Uh, I mean, start, starting in the Western Conference, who do you think has a legitimate shot to potentially take it all this year? Hmm. Well, let's see. I mean, it's been it's been quite a tight race for for the top three or three or four teams here. So it's kind of a toss up. But if I were a betting man. I think I have to go with. I think I have to go with maybe the the Grizzlies as a long shot. Um, Nuggets, you know, they're they've been a bit of a slump lately, and you know they're kind of a little inconsistent. So I think I have to take the Grizzlies, you know, even despite uh, John Morant being a total jackass. But I wouldn't, but I wouldn't fall asleep though on the Sacramento Kings either. Right, uh, you know, Sacramento, they forget the Clippers, I no believe... joke, forget them. I believe they they still have the number one ranked offense in the league right now. Uh, yes, I think they do. 
121.1 points per game. So, yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't rule them out, but honestly, you know, if I'm looking at the West, I really thought that Denver would have fallen off by now, but it, it looks like they're pretty much still staying in it. So, you know, I, I, I think honestly the West is going to come down to three teams. I think it'll be either Denver, uh, Memphis, or Golden State. Golden State, because let's face it, they're the Golden Boys. So regardless of uh, where they are in the play, as long as they make the playoffs, they're going to be well within it. Uh, Memphis, their big problem is is basically penalties. If they can stay away from from committing fouls and have oh, players well, like Jaron Jackson Jr. foul out, then they may have a legitimate shot. Oh, geez, look at this game now. Yep, it is becoming a runaway right now. Fifty-one yeah. to thirty-four, UConn. UConn. Uh, I don't think we saw this coming, Lou. No. no. And, you know, this brings up the question I brought earlier. What's going to happen if Gonzaga continues to fall behind? Are they going to start rushing opportunities? Or are they going, you know, will, will, their, uh, will their experience play a factor? But... Yeah. It it just kind of seems like UConn is on such a hot streak right now that maybe perhaps experience won't even experience won't even be a factor here. Maybe not. I mean, it usually I, is, but you know. Hmm. I mean, look at this. Gonzaga is two of eleven from three. Two of eleven, while UConn is seven of nineteen. And I mean, just just to put the point across here, UConn, they just have bigger players. Well, size Yeah, but at the same time, though, they're they're able to get those second chance opportunities, right? Which has been a very key part of their of their run so far in this uh, in this March Madness tournament. So, it's yeah. honestly it's 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 just really surprising right now that Gonzaga is being manhandled like this. You know, I and by the way, Drew Timmy is already at four fouls now. One more, and you're gone. Yeah. So. Basically, if Gonzaga wants any chance of of staying in this game, Timmy needs to stay out of foul trouble. He needs to stay away from committing a foul. One more foul, and he's gone. It's going to be a very interesting. I'll tell I'll t- I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing here. If if UConn somehow makes it to the to the championship. 
it's going to be one hell of a uh, one hell of a sight around uh, around my area because there are while there are a whole bunch of UMass and Boston College fans, there's also a hell of a lot of UConn fans as well. Uh huh. But let's go on to the World Baseball Classic because we ended up seeing uh, quite the final game between USA and Japan. Uh, Japan Japan ultimately, though, ended up beating USA 3-2 with Shohei Otani striking out his his, uh, Angels teammate, Mike Trout, to end the game. And this is Japan's first win, I believe, since 2009. Yeah. For the World Baseball Classic. And, well, actually, I mean, we'll start We'll start basically uh, in the quarterfinals. I mean, how each team got here. USA beat Venezuela 9-7. to uh, Japan beat Italy 9-3. to Then we had Mexico 5-4 to over Puerto Rico. And Cuba four to three over Australia. That set up USA defeating Cuba fourteen to two, and Japan narrowly edging Mexico six to five. And I know, you know, I know what a lot of people say. Oh, you know, if if uh, USA had faced Mexico, USA still would have lost. I would have preferred facing Mexico than yeah. facing Japan. With Japan, I knew immediately what was coming because Japan did the same exact thing to to the United States in the Olympics this past year, and uh, it was basically the same thing there. They beat us in the finals, and we ended up having to go home. I believe believe it was the finals, uh, and we ended up going home with the silver. Yes. At least with Mexico, yeah, Mexico made a, you know, Mexico may have beaten USA's ass earlier in this tournament, but I would have, I would have had, I, you know, I would have believed that, you know, maybe perhaps USA would be able to make, would be able to make the necessary adjustments and, you know, we would, we would be able to at least potentially get back in it. As soon as Japan beat Mexico, I knew I knew that it was over. Because Japan, you know, they they prepare for things, uh, prepare for for tournaments and games a whole lot differently than other squads. You know, they take shit very very seriously. Like they're they're playing for pride essentially. Right. So, you know, I'm not surprised at all that USA fell to Japan in the championship game. And I'll tell you one thing: Shohei Otani said that you know it was a def- it was a different experience being able to play on such a high stage, uh, you know, in a high leverage game, and he wants to be able to do it in Major League Baseball. I'll tell you right now. By those statements alone, he is he is going to be leaving L.A. at some point. Yeah. He won't be an angel for for his entire career. 
he is going to leave LA potentially as early as this uh, as this upcoming off season. And UConn, 21 points now is the deficit. 58 to 37. You know, I I don't I don't want to call it right now, but I mean, come on. 21 points. That's you're asking a, a very tall mountain to climb right now for Gonzaga. Yeah. Too much. And you know, they got their best player Drew Timmy on potential or you know, on potentially fouling out here. Uh Yukon, their only person that's really even in trouble is Jackson Junior. So uh uh-huh. it's uh Yukon honestly it just it just seems like Yukon has this guy, this one under control. But, I did not see this coming at all. I did not see this coming. I thought it'd be a lot more competitive. You did? Yeah, I did. I didn't expect it to be a runaway at all. Yeah, it's it's very you know. Originally, we originally I mentioned that maybe perhaps this could be seen as an upset, just mainly based on the fact that Gonzaga has you know, so much experience in March Madness. Yeah. Compared to UConn recently. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't even know if you can consider this an upset now because no. UConn is just miles ahead of Gonzaga tonight. So uh but we did have some injuries come up in the WBC. Uh first off, we will start with one of the big star, one of the biggest stars in uh Major League Baseball, Jose Altuve. Uh yep. will end up requiring surgery on his fractured right thumb after he was hit in the hand by a Daniel Bard pitch while playing for Venezuela in the quarterfinals. Uh, this is ob- this is because Daniel Bard apparently has lost the ability to uh, to command his pitches again uh, for the first time since he uh, left the Boston Red Sox and seemingly had ended his baseball career. Uh, he ended up getting hit in the hand by a Daniel Bard pitch, um, so he will be out eight to ten weeks. Uh, however, Astros general manager Dana Brown did say there's no official timetable just yet, but uh, Bob Nightingale of USA Today reported the 8- to 10-week uh, time frame. So uh, David Hensley and Mauricio Dubon are expected to fill in to fill in at second base to begin the season. I would probably give the edge to Dubon probably for uh, – in ter- in terms of uh, production wise, yeah. In order to try and replace Jose Altuve, uh, not just him, but also Adam Wainwright apparently suffered a groin strain during yeah. uh, during the World Baseball Classic. Uh, the injury took place in the weight room on Monday, so that's why he didn't pitch in the uh in the finals at all 
uh, well, I mean, considering he did pitch four innings in the semifinals over Cuba. Right, uh, right. But somehow he suffered a groin strain while working out in the weight room, and he will begin the season on the injured list as a result. And, I mean, honestly, he's really dropped off this spring. He's shown diminished velocity. Uh, You know, it just – honestly, it seems like he's, he's stayed in the league one year too many. Uh, as of now, Jake Woodford figures to begin the year with a rotation spot in the St. Louis Cardinals rotation with Adam Wainwright being on the injured list. Uh, also suffering an injury was Kyle Tucker of the uh, of Team USA, who suffered a minor right ankle sprain in the win over Venezuela in the quarterfinals when he rolled his ankle sliding into second base. Uh, however, though, it is looking likely that the Astros outfielder will be ready to go for opening day. So that's a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of an injury scare, but the good news for him, at least, is that, uh, he's probably going to be ready to go. And also, of course, you know, we have the Edwin Diaz news, who is out for the season uh, yeah. after injuring himself during this during a celebration following one of following one of their wins in the World Baseball Classic. But you know, it's just it's very it, this brings up a very interesting topic, Lou. Uh, could we potentially see Major League Baseball teams hold off some of the, you know, their star players now because yeah. of the fact that they risk potential injury? I guess it's a bad idea to begin with. So it's, and it's causing, you know, uh, injuries throughout you know, the league uh, to get ready for their season. So, you know, they might, they might be holding back and I, like I said, this was a bad idea, and now they're and now they're paying the price for it. I mean, we already have one player out, a couple players out for the entire season now. Especially with Mets, that's going to hurt their rotation. Yankees aren't doing right. They're either their injuries, so yeah, it's really created you know a major headache uh, for um for MLB uh, this year. It only happens once every right. four years. Well, it happened. In, yeah, this happened six years ago, and the injuries are going to take its toll, and it's, I think it's going to hurt you know towards the uh, the long run down the stretch. After that, so it's going to be you know a very painful uh, season. Right, uh, Alex, uh, we we got you back in on the uh, yeah. on the conversation okay, here. Yeah, we can take care of real quick. I'm back for the back for the long haul now. You guys right, on a rampage, good. guys. I I just checked it back on, dude. I mean, oh. now they're up twenty three. <laughs> yeah, the freshman seven foot, freshman seven foot two guys, like running full court breaks and they're throwing alley oops. <laughs> this is insane. Not just that, but Drew Timmy is also <laughs> in foul trouble with four fouls already yeah. uh, right now for I never, Gonzaga. I don't want to so. uh, totally. I don't want to sound like a total total moron. I do a well enough job of that as it is, but uh, it's the the party's over. I think for Gonzaga. I mean, they're down 22, and like you said, Tim's on the bench. 
The party's over. And they're only shooting. They're only shooting Dude, two of fifteen from three. Yeah, and they just nailed another three. That transfer, Calcutta. I had no idea, man. I'm I'm like just getting back into being uh, big into the Huskies. To be honest, I wasn't watching them a lot this year or last year, but this past month, you know, kind of hanging out in Florida, I'm just been like diving into to uh, March Madness and seeing that they're my home state. I mean, it's just great to see them be really good again. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you right now, it's probably going to be very crazy because, especially from uh, from where I from where I live, even yeah. though there's a lot of UMass fans and a lot of yeah, uh, there's a lot of UMass fans and a lot of uh, BC fans, Providence. but Providence uh, and, and you know a couple a couple of Providence fans, but there's also a lot of youth as well. Yeah, yeah, man, it's that upstate. It's right on that border, the mass border. So you got to. You get to carry over into both states. So it's going to be pretty crazy if UConn can, if UConn can, I don't know, maybe somehow make the championship game. Well, I mean, you guys tell me. You, you probably know some of these rosters better than me, the, the other teams. I mean, for instance, who do you guys think is going to win tomorrow? Is, is one team a lot better than the other, Texas-Miami, or is it like a toss-up? Because that's, that's their next uh... Well... I, you know, I would say Texas, but then again, nobody saw Miami beating Houston. Yeah, so it's like, dude, they're, they're, if they're, not, they're, they're drilling Gonzaga, who's a powerhouse, and they're up 25. Like, they're absolutely red hot. They're not, I don't think, are they going to fight face anyone tougher than Gonzaga? think so. I mean, here's what's interesting about Miami and Texas is Miami actually averages more points per game than Texas. And they exactly. allow like maybe they allow point seven points more per game than Texas. Oh, okay. So honestly, it kind of seems like when you break down the team stats bit by bit, it, it, it kind of seems like apart from assists per game, Miami actually has better stats. Interesting. So, and right now the line is three and a half for Texas tomorrow. Oh, uh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. It should be very interesting, though. Uh, I mean, my, uh, you know, Texas is seeking their first Final Four in 20 years. Miami mm. is seeking their first Final Four ever. That's pretty that cool. And this Final Four, um, if UConn takes care of it, so they'll, the, the next Final Four, the next game would be what, next weekend? It's Saturday and uh, Monday the championship, right? Wow. It would be the first. Wow. Yeah, Saturday and then the, the two winners Saturday next next weekend until so Monday night. Yep, nine days to the championship. Yeah. Right. Wow. This is nuts. I mean, even pregame, Kelly okay. and, and Barkley, who I, I think are – I really like Barkley. They were like, sorry, it's been a great story, but – Gonzaga's just better. They're older. They're, they know how to get the job done. They're, the Huskies probably aren't going to win this. Like they, the whole, I think the whole panel picks Gonzaga. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, how could you not with the experience? And they know uh, more about hoops than I do. Yeah. With the experience, they, they, know, edge. they know something. Yeah. You know, with the with the experience edge, how could you not pick Gonzaga? You know, it was interesting exactly. early on. It's interesting early on. The the refs. The, the Gonzaga coach was really salty. He was, like, giving an earful to, to a ref on the camera for, like, a minute. 
about a travel on Timmy. Yeah, and then yeah. five minutes later, Coach Hurley for UConn was, like, laughing and complimenting all the refs, like, almost, like, high-fiving them. <laughs> I don't know. UConn yeah. kind of got the refing edge. I mean, the Gonzaga coach kind of was being a, a you-know-what early in the game. I don't know. It's interesting. Now Timmy's in foul trouble. Well, you know, yeah. it just it just seems to it just seems to me like UConn is the more disciplined team. I mean, if you if you bark if you if you embarrass the refs, you know, there's tens of millions of people watching this game. The the ref doesn't appreciate that. <laughs> wow, I mean, UConn. They're giving UConn, UConn, has you know, a, you're giving UConn some calls. Yeah. Wow. UConn, yep, UConn has a UConn has a plus sixty two point differential in the second half of all March Madness <laughs> tournament games this year. Wow. I, mean, I, geez, I I said they had to come out red hot. I didn't mean this hot. A plus 62-point differential. That's crazy. On their whole entire and a young a so young far. roster, too. Yeah. That's yes. Great. Is this Sonogo guy, is the other big guy they have, the older guy, is he an NBA player, you think? The UConn big? Uh so hard to say. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. hard like, to say honestly. That that Kentucky power forward is a total animal. He's a lot better, and people are like, "Oh, he's probably not even NBA." And he's like two-time almost uh, college player of the year. Uh, it's hard mm-hmm. to like. It's hard to determine where some of these guys are going to go, if they're good enough for the league, which is crazy. But I know Timmy's probably a second rounder. The young, the UConn big off the bench is, a, is they're staying a lottery pick when he comes out. The seven-two guy. We'll see. Yeah, let me take a look real quick. Actually, let me look at the most recent An athletic mock draft. Seven, two, seven foot two guy who's athletic. That's that's a hot commodity. Right. Let me let me take a look at the recent mock draft. This was this was from Christmas. Tim uh, just from seems around like Christmas a, Tim, time. Tim's a really good player, but he just he's slow. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how good he's going to be as a pro. Right, pure Timmy. Not like a, not like crazy fast or big jumper. He's just kind of like gets the ball in the bucket. Let's see. Of player uh, or of teams game. that are still of teams that are still in it. Texas has a player going at twenty six. Uh, Dylan Mitchell. Uh, that would be to the Charlotte Hornets via the Denver Nuggets. Uh, let's see. This is just. This is just between teams that are still in it. Uh, they have Jordan Hawkins going to the 76ers at number 32 from Connecticut. Interesting. Right. Hey, dude, he's been like the third or fourth best player tonight. Or, or, you know what I mean? He's like in the background. Yes. <laughs> right. They're still balanced. They just have like different guys stepping up every minute. Mm-hmm. Like this kid, Cal Calcaterra, he was not playing that much this year. He has like five threes or four threes tonight. <sighs> Like every every game now, they have like new guys stepping up. Yeah, let me look, let me look. Actually, uh, this is a more recently updated mock draft. Let me see where. Yeah. I know Victor, the seven. What is he? Seven four seven five French center. He's going number one. Well, yeah, that's that's guaranteed. That's guaranteed that he's definitely going number one. I, mean, I don't know if you've got uh, any footage of him. He, he like looking at YouTube. The guy like. Dribbles the ball, shoots oh. threes. Oh, shoots threes. this is interesting. Yeah, UConn has you, you, uh, Jordan Hawkins has moved up to number fourteen to the LA Lakers. Oh wow. Okay. 
in the most <laughs> recent mock draft from a couple of days ago. Interesting. That's the mock draft, though. Has no meaning. Yeah, I mean, granted, it is a mock <laughs> draft, but still. Yeah. It is a mock draft, but it's still something to consider. The fact that if they have him going that high, usually there's some sort of there's some sort of uh, movement around it. Like for example, uh, Nick Smith Jr. was originally looked at as a top uh, a top three pick. Yeah, he's uh-huh. fallen all the way to the point of where Anthony Black will be taken before him from Arkansas. Uh, no, <laughs> this is from uh, NBA Draft Room, I think. Okay, Mark Cuban. <laughs> they have they have Nick Smith now oh, falling is. to the Warriors at seventeen. Wow. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Look at what do we have here. And actually, uh, this is kind of interesting. There are no Gonzaga players. Dude, 72 to 44. It's an ass-whipping. Yes. Yeah, kids were just took the league over Washington. Ooh. You mean 74 to 44 or 75 <laughs> sorry, to sorry. 44. 75. Yeah. 85. Wow. They're talking. So wow. there are no Gonzaga. there are no Gonzaga players in the mock draft. Somebody's on this picture. Yeah. I, I remember early on the again. I'm still kind of I'm I'm not as knowledgeable at college hoops quite yet, but um, I remember early on watching them a few yeah, times. Man. Gonzaga got their butts kicked the first week or two of the season. They, they're just not as strong as they typically are. Right. I got you know, you know I got to tell you, Gonzaga's one of their one of their last thirteen for Gonzaga. Wow. Yeah, they're done. Yeah, they're ready to go play to begin with. They're going to go play blackjack a little bit in Sin City. They're they're ready to leave the building. Also, this is this is interesting. (laughs) Chet Holmgren, all of a sudden, is now listed as questionable on the ESPN app playoff run because of the playoff run. Wow. We'll see. So it I mean, sounds brought, like, dude, I don't know about him overall. I mean, the guy's like fantastic talent. He's literally like seven one and like one hundred and forty pounds. I would, isn't he gonna get it broken in half like a twig by like a big man? I, I don't know. I don't know how he's gonna look in the pros. Uh. You know, when it comes to Holmgren, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're breaking up. My connection was off. Yeah, I mean, he he's got a lot of talent. He's just so skinny, though. I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. You know, the big problem was, and I said this before uh, on previous shows. The big problem is that if he gets injured just by barely, just by barely shrugging up against against LeBron. How's he? He better have been putting on some muscle during his recovery. <laughs> the protein because some, uh, maybe a couple of needles or something else. I mean, he needs to add like forty pounds of muscle or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a, this is an interesting comparison. Somebody is comparing uh, Hawkins 
they're comparing his jumper to Ray Allen. Wow. Which again, I'm still learning more and more about them. But I mean, yeah, he, he hasn't even he's he's like five seven points tonight. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but I mean, you know what I mean? He's not like the star of the team. I mean, they have other players. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, he has a great NBA career. What a game! Any NBA games on on TV right now, or is it just UConn? Just say uh, UConn. Uh, Pittsburgh just beat Washington, though. Oh, cool. There is Denver, but I don't know if it's on TV. Yeah. I don't know if it's on TV, but Denver is playing right now. Um, Denver and Milwaukee. Oh, it's on NBA TV. Oh, oh okay. Denver with a 101-85 to 85 lead over Milwaukee. Uh, then there's a couple of games. Still on League Pass. Uh, let's see. Hang on one second. Uh, let us uh, actually. You know what? There's a couple of other a uh, couple of other injuries I need to mention. Also, you know, we've been uh, si- since you had gone since you had uh, gotten off the call, Alex. We had been switching back yeah. and forth from uh, from baseball to uh, to March Madness back to baseball. Uh, yeah. There are a few other injuries to talk about in baseball. Reese Hoskins is out for the entire season after Dude, he yeah. suffered a torn ACL in his left knee yesterday. Yeah, and they have Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's out at least for another two months, maybe. So, yeah, two big bats. Lethal lineup, too, but, yeah, it's a big bluff. Amazing. They still, they still, have, um, they still have Schwarber, Trey Turner. Cassianos. Real Mudo. That's just, they oh, my God. Real Mudo, too. I totally forgot about him. He's probably the first name I should have mentioned. Yeah, they have, they're st- still completely loaded. That's an absurd lineup if they were all healthy, but they're already not healthy. But still. Uh, uh, but that guy Hull, the DH, I, the big the big slow guy, if he's good enough to play first base, he's like a big, big bat. So I guess he's taking Hoskins' place. Or they can make a move for someone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing with Hoskins. Here's the thing with Hoskins, though, is the fact that this may be his this may be his final year with the Phillies because he's an unrestricted free agent. There's no more. uh, There's no more arbitration years. Yeah. He's had kind of an up and down, like the last couple of years. I don't know his stats right now. I can look it up in a second, but you know he wasn't nearly he he wasn't as big a bat as the other guys we mentioned. So I think he's the type of guy they can kind of get by without. So uh, it looks like, like Derek they still have such a good lineup. They still have such a good lineup like, either way. Yeah, it looks like Derek Hall will be uh, will see increased playing time. Uh, he'll be the internal option to take over at first base. Uh, however, Scott Kingery, Edmundo Sosa, and Cody Clemens, yes, Roger Clemens' son, uh, also <laughs> figure to see increased uh, playing time for Philly, too. The, the, the son of the, the pariah. <laughs> son of the pariah. <laughs> the, the Brett Favre of baseball. <laughs> yeah. But still, uh, 
I mean, a torn, uh, you know, a torn ACL in his left knee at the age of 30. I, th- yeah. This is probably worse. This is worst case scenario. And, you know, I mean, obviously Hoskins will return, but he may not be the same player after this, especially nope. considering his age. Big guy, too. Carrying more weight, tougher with injuries. Yeah, he's not a small guy. That's going to be a tough thing to come back from for him. School in Ohio, so I, I got some buddies who, you know, either Reds or Indians guys. And one of the, my buddies, a Reds fan, he's saying, I mean, they almost want to just like let Votto go somewhere to try to get a ring somehow because the Reds are just like constant fire sale. They they want to like they won't even pay like their ushers. I mean, they're just like trying to shred shed calorie space everywhere. Yeah. So maybe yeah. the maybe the Phillies could get Joey Votto for a couple of young arms or something. I don't know. He could be a landing spot for him. By the way, Lou, you can tell Diane that the uh, that the New Jersey Devils have locked up a playoff spot officially. Oh wow! Okay, you'll be happy to hear with that. Their, with their win today over the Senators, they officially did lock up a playoff spot. So okay. they are officially in. Nice. And I mean, not, not, to say, not to say that it was not to say that it would be a question, anyways. But of course not. So on the, are they still on a uh, possible collision course with the Rangers first round playoffs? Ah, uh, yes, that's what it's looking like right now. Unless, uh, unless well, Carolina, okay. unless um, unless Carolina falters severely. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would be, uh, I would be surprised, uh, honestly, though, if if it isn't the Rangers that they face in the first round, so. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm gonna enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Rizal Iglesias has a low-grade shoulder inflammation, and he will start the season on the injured list. So that's tough news for the Atlanta Braves, uh, who had recently uh, acquired him, and of course now. You know, he now joins Edwin Diaz as top closers around the league to start, uh, you know, to be injured. Wow. Um, oh, Steve, real quick, Steve, real quick, the guy you pointed at, Hawkins, did you see this play? He, he went down the lane for, like, a huge windmill dunk, missed it, got the ball back, and hit a three. <laughs> yep, I it was saw like that. Yeah, <laughs> to put on a clinic. They're, they're, they're basically uh, they're pla- they're plastering all over Gonzaga right now. I think Timmy's Timmy's just gonna take off his jersey and like lie down. He's just defeated. <laughs> He's just emotionally wrecked. <laughs> and Zaga's cooked. Honestly, I'm just stunned. I'm stunned that it's this yeah. much of an ass whipping. This has never happened to any Gonzaga team. And I mean, I didn't see this coming at all. Kudos to UConn, but I mean, no, no one could have predicted this. Come on. No, no, not at all. I was thinking like, damn, if they win this, it's gonna be like, you know two-point, three-point game like we were talking about on Lou's show. You know, everyone was saying, oh, it could be, you know, down to the wire. This is absurd. Yeah. And, you know, we saw, we, saw UConn, we saw UConn dismantle Arkansas, and it made me think, you know, maybe Arkansas just didn't give a shit. Well, maybe UConn is just that damn good this year. Well, like these guys, man, they're, they're just, these random young guys are all, like, floating every every other game, and now now suddenly they have – five or six guys that are all, like, 
red hot. I mean, yeah. Who's who's going to score 20 points next game? It's like a new guy every game. Uh-huh. Right. You know, so, it's, I mean, it's just weird. So that's so that's so that's got to be like the most it's the best thing for a college team, right? I mean, NBA, you kind of know who's going to score 20 or 30 points. UConn, they, they have different guys stepping up every minute now. Crazy. Yeah. Right. I don't think uh, I mean, uh, taking, a, taking a look at some of the uh, some of the updated stats here. Hawkins has 20 points. Sonogo officially got a double double with the two free throws that he shot. Um, Caravan with 12 points. Uh, you have Newton, Jackson Jr., Elaine, and Calcaterra all with eight points. And you have Klingon with six points. So wow. it's very, very widespread scoring tonight for UConn. Wow. And with Gonzaga, I mean, Gonzaga, it, it, honestly, it doesn't even look like their, their scoring even changed since the half. Like Gonzaga, it says Gonzaga has scored 15 points, but looking at the stat sheet, it doesn't even look like. I'm trying to find out where they scored the 15 points. <laughs> it doesn't seem like anyone scored. No, I, I saw. I saw Tim, Drew Timmy only has three points this half. Straw, Strother only has two points this half. Wow, but I mean Gonzaga, look at this: three-point field goals. Two for nineteen. Yeah. Two for I mean, nineteen. Yeah, and UConn is just charging. UConn is just charging the paint too. Dude, if they, yeah. I mean, if these guys played like another fifty games, that wouldn't happen again. Two for nineteen. They're just epic. I mean, it's a collapse, and UConn's red hot. Yeah. I'm stunned. I'm just, yeah. I, you know, I, I just, I, I, I didn't first... think that UConn, I didn't think UConn would, would basically, no would basically style all over Gonzaga like they are. <laughs> Rick Rollum. Yeah, they're well. blasting them. <laughs> they, um, yeah, and just, uh, it, it's, it's absurd. Uh, they're emptying out the bench now. Yeah. Which which is good, you know. I mean, with only three minutes left, you yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta you know maybe yeah. save uh, maybe save a little bit of energy. Yeah. Although I, I mean, I, it's it's very it's very hard to say that when your next game is like is like in a week. But yeah. also, hey, uh, also you don't want right. someone randomly rolling their ankle. Also, probably some of these guys are seniors. They're bringing in what the two freshmen. Then these these other guys might be a couple of seniors who haven't played that much. So it's it's awesome for them to get in there and. You know, for them and their families, get some playing time. Yeah. I mean, the, the win is in the books. You might as well get everyone some, some love and some playing time. Uh, some no other injury. bits of news. Uh, Yankees manager Aaron Boone said that Luis Severino has a low-grade right lat Uh-oh. strain. Uh, he is in jeopardy of missing his first regular season start, and he will most likely open the year on the injured list. Uh, wow. He has a staggering... 15 runs across 15 innings and five starts this spring. Uh, It's unclear how much he he will miss, but he wound up missing two months last year with a right lat strain as well. Wow. 
So this what's could be honestly a lingering thing. Yeah, yeah. Lou or guys, what's what's he what's he like the fourth starter now for them? Uh, I I think They'll so. They'll have yeah. Rodan Cole. Wow. I mean, that's definitely a big loss. It is a big loss. I mean, I I don't know, Lou. What is he? Fourth starter, fifth starter? Fourth. And big. It's not. It's not like massive, but it's it's a, it's a loss. Well, yeah, I mean, it could be it could be big if they suffer injuries to uh, you know, to like Garrett Cole and whatnot. You're right. It and, could be yeah, you're right. a Roden, pretty significant loss. Yeah, Carlos Rodon's already banged up. Yeah. Uh, also around the league, uh, Joe Musgrove will open the regular season on the injured list for the San Diego Padres with a toe injury. Uh, however, uh, it looks like that's probably going to be a brief stint. Uh, it's probably going to be a brief stint because he is expected to start a minor league game uh, on Monday after throwing a three-inning simulated contest earlier this week. Huh. Yeah, he's a good pitcher. He, all, he pitched against the Mets in that wild card series. Musgrove's nasty. Yeah. And also, uh, Rangers general manager Chris Young said that Jake Odorizzi is likely going to be out longer than shorter to open the regular season. Uh, He has yet to pitch this spring due to right arm fatigue, so it looks like he is going to be headed for an extended spring training, and if anything, it sounds like he may not be an option for at least a few months for the Mm. Texas Rangers. And also bad uh, bad news uh, going to the NFL. Bad news for anybody who wanted Roger Goodell out as commissioner, as he is expected to finalize a multi-year extension with the owners this upcoming week. A fifty-five year, seven trillion dollar extension. Yeah, Goodell's here for for eternity. Uh, Obviously, this this week will be the owners' meeting, so who knows? We may actually get some noteworthy news uh, more to come on that in particular because uh, normally the owners' meetings are kind of like the GM meetings of baseball yeah, that usually good. usually any, any uh, remaining free agents usually really pick up during this uh, during this time. Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned Texas earlier. They they've made a lot of moves. I don't know. It's like they just they're one of those teams that just like still won't. For some reason, they're still not going to be good enough. But I mean, they've added so many so much talent the last two years. You guys think they could be a playoff team, the Rangers? Uh, Damian, Damian, Seager, Degrom. If they can stay healthy, the problem is is that I mean, you saw they added. You saw they added all those players in free agency last year, and it didn't really do anything for them. No, it didn't. I mean, they literally finished know. where they where they where they normally finish in the cellar. So, yeah, and it was interesting too. I mean, they added Simeon and Seager like four hundred million dollars up the middle, and they didn't really win that many more games. Yeah, they both also underperformed. Yeah. Hey, uh, Lou, good news for your Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they acquired wide receiver Brendan Cooks from the Houston Texans in exchange for a fifth-round pick this year and a sixth-round pick next year. Uh, in my opinion, 
this is a major steal because Cooks could have easily gone for at least a third-round pick. Right. Wow. Yeah, nice and player, man. they are absolutely loading up, especially after losing Dalton Schultz to the Houston Texans on a one-year deal uh, worth about $9 million. Uh, after they lost Schultz to Houston, they acquired Brandon Cooks from Houston. I mean, this is honestly a steal to only get him for a fifth and sixth round pick. Because the, uh, let's keep in mind, Cooks has been playing with a quarter. Well, we can't even really call Davis Mills a quarterback, can we? No. <laughs> he's someone impersonating a quarterback. Yeah. That's a federal offense in some states. <laughs> but, I mean, he makes Gardner Minshew like, look, look like John Elway. Yeah. Never. Yeah, you know, the problem is, though, is that he's been wasting away down in Houston. Uh, he uh, asked Houston multiple times to trade him. And they I'm not good. We're not good. No. Please let me go. I suck. We suck. This is not working. But he had okay, 57 catches. He had 57 catches last year for 699 yards and three touchdowns. That just shows how bad of a quarterback they had uh, this year. Oh yeah, you're talking and Cooks. You're talking Cooks. Yeah. The previous the previous two years he had six touchdowns apiece. So he's he's also one of those guys who moves around a bit. I'm just saying, no one's perfect, but I mean, he's bounced around a little bit. I don't know if it's an attitude or I know he gets injured a decent amount. Yeah, but but though Alex, he he has been. Uh, granted, he played three less games this year, uh, mm-hmm. but he had his first two years with Houston. He went over a thousand yards. And he had 81 catches and 90 catches. Yeah, he's really, really talented. I think it's a great move because Dak will get him the ball. He's perfect, like those little short passes. He's a home run threat. Yeah, he was targeted four. He was targeted 41 less times this year compared to last year. You're absolutely right. That's you're on point. I I didn't even think about. I mean, a lot of it is the quarterback. He's all, if he's healthy, he's going to be a lot better, I think, with Dak. Oh yeah, honestly, you know, he could po- he could potentially be the number two weapon in that Dallas offense now. I think absolutely. Yeah, actually, See, let me so look real quick. It's a great move for Dallas. I mean, I know you know he's an Eagles fan, whatever, but I mean, I respect they always have very talented players, and that's a great move. They have an awesome and, group of uh, talent. Yeah, actually, I'm looking. I'm looking right now on ESPN. They have him as the number two wide receiver on that list, uh, with Michael Gallup at number three. Wow! And just real quick, interest note: you mentioned Schultz. I, Lou, does anyone know him? And he seemed like a fan favorite and good, uh, yeah. consistent tight end. I, I wonder why they, why he left. Yeah, good questions. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Money. They drafted him. They drafted him a couple Money. years ago. He, yeah, yeah, so. It was it probably had to do with money. I mean, there's a reason why they got rid of uh uh Ezekiel Elliott because they were struggling to uh you know, they were they were struggling to uh 
to put together uh to put together money to to spend on free agents. Yeah, true. Also, I think we all saw the Pollard younger, faster, and a lot cheaper. Yep. Deeks had a great career. And they did officially slowing down. They did they did officially sign they did officially sign Pollard to a one year deal this past week, so Yeah, he's a he's an awesome player. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, Schultz is kind of a head scratcher because he's been one of the more productive tight ends over the last three years. Yeah. 17 17 touchdowns, 2000 yards. Yeah. Durable, like reliable. It's, it's interesting. He didn't seem like a diva. It was weird. I thought they would, I thought he'd be like kind of a lifelong cowboy. Yeah. It's kind of surprising. You know, not, not only. Not only did the Texans get him, but they also got Devin Singletary as well from Buffalo. Yeah. He's decent. He's not like all pro, but he's, he's pretty good. I mean, when when Singletary's been given an opportunity, he actually excelled in Buffalo's run game. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Houston, they're they're making a few interesting moves this offseason. Uh, you know, I would not be surprised. If, yeah. they, if they're ready to strike in the draft. We've talked about it a few times, and I know it's like the the, the reputation, right? They always – it's a revolving door. The, they always leave their coaches. But they brought back, like, their hometown, the, the coaches, uh, you know, a Texan background. They're going to they're gonna right. hopefully nail it with a quarterback in the draft. And now they're adding pieces. Who knows? Maybe in maybe in two years, they're, you know, nine, ten wins. I mean, they're, they're turning things around, it seems like. Yeah. Right. By the way, uh, Bobby Wagner is officially headed back to the Seattle Seahawks on a one-year, $7 million deal. Wow, uh, this, was, this was just announced a couple of hours ago. Uh, he played his first 10 seasons of his career in Seattle before departing for the Rams prior to prior to last season. Wow, and I think and, year two, you know they're going to be even better, and that's, that's a great – he's like their defensive leader. That's a good move. Yeah. yeah. He he's back being a, he's back being the defensive leader for the Seattle Seahawks here. Um, now they have to pick some more uh, defensive players around him, and then now you got Geno looking good. You know, obviously they have awesome uh, DK Metcalf, Lockett. I mean, that, that's a nice. Yep. They have a they have a talent in Seattle. They overcame the Russell Wilson drama. Yep. They uh, they also. Uh, they also brought in Devin Bush, formerly of the Pittsburgh uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They brought in Julian Love from the New York Giants, uh, Evan Brown from the Detroit Lions. I mean, they're they're bringing in a couple of uh, a couple of people, for the most part. I mean, you know, none of their signings have really stuck out at all. Uh, but they needed Devin Singletary after, or no. Devin, never mind. Singletary went to uh, went to Houston. Uh, what they might need, they might need a replacement running back because they lost Rashad Penny to the Eagles. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they're gonna uh, if they're gonna do it in the draft or what, but. Yeah, they may need a replacement running back. Uh, one other bit, or, or 
speaking of the Houston Texans, they did sign Laramie Tunsil to a three-year, $75 million extension, uh, which uh, includes $50 million fully guaranteed and $60 million in total guarantees. Uh, so now this makes him the highest paid tackle in the league on an annual basis. Which I thought I thought was kind of interesting, especially it's it's unfortunate for him though that he has to play on a on a horrible team. But uh, looks like I think I think we may have lost Alex. Uh oh. Uh, let me look. Yeah, he's trying to see if he can get in, uh, if he can get in through a three-way call or something. But I believe that would probably disconnect me from from the blog talk call. So uh, I don't think that's going to be possible. Yeah. Um, it looks like uh, former Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott uh, has nailed his options down uh, to three specific teams here. Yes. Uh in particular here it says the Jets, the Eagles and the Bengals. Uh he's likely to make a decision by the end of this upcoming week. Uh his softest landing spot for fantasy purposes would probably uh would probably be Cincinnati assuming that it means they'd move on from Joe Mixon and not use Ezekiel Elliott as a goal line battering ram. Uh, Putting him with the Eagles might throw, uh, it might become a little interesting considering they did just sign Rashad Penny. The Jets though, if he wants early action, the Jets would probably be the best option because their only other option is Zonovan Knight. So honestly, you know, I don't know about I don't know about you, Lou, but I would think the Jets would probably be the most likely option for him. Yeah, I think so too. But the Jets can use someone like him. Yeah, I mean, they're already going for big names as it is, and you assume with Aaron Rodgers coming into the mix that well, they're gonna want they're gonna want to surround him with as much talent as possible. So. Why not bring in somebody like Ezekiel Elliott? Well, we don't know if he's going to come yet. I mean, it's still premature. You know, there's all kinds of rumors around, but nothing has been, you know, determined that Rodgers is coming. No, but at the same time, though, you take a look at all the guys they've signed. They're all Aaron Rodgers guys. You know, they they brought in Alan Lazard. They're going to be bringing in uh, Randall Cobb. You know, it's it's hard to look at the people they're bringing in and think, okay, this is, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to play these guys with Zach Wilson. It's kind of hard to believe that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. KJ Hamler. Uh, he underwent surgery, uh, Hamler of the uh, Denver Broncos or wide, one of their wide receivers, uh, he underwent surgery on his pectoral muscle, and he is expected to miss four to six months. 
So it looks like uh, he is in he's in the final year of his rookie deal, and he's only played just ten games since 2020. Uh, so it looks like he may actually, uh, and it, it sounds like uh, it could be potentially on the early end of the timetable. He could return in maybe four months, but uh, chances are that he may not even break camp. On, with a real role on the Broncos uh, because of this injury. So uh, he could potentially be seen as a, as a camp boot potentially. Uh, and speaking of the Jets, the athletics Connor Hughes has reported that the Jets interest in Odell Beckham Jr. is indeed very real. Hughes added that Aaron Rodgers and Beckham are close and have discussed playing together in New York. Uh, he punk, uh, Connor Hughes punctuated this by saying, basically, Rodgers wants OBJ. And right. given, the, given the signing of Alan Lazard and other reports of the Jets seeking out former Packers, all of this information seems to check out. And not to mention, they swapped out Elijah Moore for McCall Hardman. Oh, my God, what an upgrade that is. Yeah. And they also have Garrett Wilson and Lazard penciled in for starting roles. And this is assuming that they cut Corey Davis, which seems inevitable at this point. Uh, it does seem it does seem hard to imagine how Odell Beckham Jr. would fit into this receiver, uh, into this receiving room. I mean, I, I got to tell you, Lou, the Jets are honestly looking very improved this year. On paper, yes. On paper. I mean, you get rid of Corey Davis. That means your starting three receivers are Garrett Wilson, McCole Hardman, and Alan Lazard, with Denzel Mims probably as the as the fourth receiver. I love Lazard. Or who knows? You know, who knows, if they get Odell Beckham Jr., maybe uh, OBJ would be the fourth receiver. Sure. Potentially. Uh, you got Brees Hall, who's probably going to be who's gonna be coming back from his injury. Uh, you know, they're going to have pretty much a healthy roster to open up the year, or to open up camp at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention, you bring in McCall Hardman, who's going to be their returner on both punts and kicks more than likely. I, you've got a drastically improved New York Jets club to where the New England Patriots are probably looking at being number four in the AFC East because of all these changes. I mean, it's kind of astounding, Lou, uh, how improved the Jets have become have come in just in just one off season. Yeah, well, you know, we had our chances last season, but the last five games they just went south. And you know, if they went well, Mike White, I don't think there would have been any problems. Yeah. And you know they did lose Mike White. Mike White ended up going to the Dolphins. So yeah. 
you know, if Aaron say they do sign Aaron Rodgers and or if they trade for Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers gets injured at all, that means you're forced to go back to to uh, Wilson. Right. So, I mean, it could be, uh, you know, as long as everybody remains healthy, uh, the Jets could be a sneaky uh, a sneaky contender to potentially make it into the playoffs. Maybe. Uh, and, you know, the Jets, speaking of Elijah Moore, they did trade him to the Cleveland Browns along with a third-round pick in this year's draft in exchange for a second-round pick in this year's draft. So they move up from the number – they move up from the number 74 to the number 42 pick in exchange for Moore. Yeah, well, anybody that goes to the Browns, you you have my deepest condolences. Clearly. Yes. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised that the Jets were able to get Hardman because I would have thought Hardman would have gone back to Kansas City. Yeah. You know, wouldn't you rather – I mean, Hardman, I believe that's two rings – well, right. I believe he was there for the first ring. Let me let me just double check that. Actually, I believe he was there for the first ring. Uh, yeah, he was. So you already have two rings under your belt with Kansas yeah. City. Wouldn't you want to stay with Kansas City? I would. But now, granted, Hardman was so. injured though. Hardman was injured, though, uh, this okay. year, to be well, fair. He was injured. He only played in eight games in the regular season, and then he only played in one game, which I think was the Super Bowl uh, in in this season, where he only had two catches for 10 yards, and he had two rushes for seven yards. So I don't know if it's because of the injury or or what, or maybe because I mean be. they signed, I mean they they signed him for I think it was like six and a half million. You mean to tell me that Kansas City wouldn't wouldn't give Hardman six and a half million to remain with the team? Hmm. I think he should have stayed. I do too. I think it's I think it's a big mistake. Well, I shouldn't say big mistake because the Jets could potentially become contenders with him as part of their receiving yeah. core, but I don't think they're I don't think they're anywhere near Super Bowl contenders though. No, no, let's get that straight right now. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, no. The, the, you know, I, he would have been if he wanted to remain a Super Bowl contender, he would have been better off staying with as much as I'd like uh, to believe it. Yeah. I mean obviously, you know, who knows? Maybe perhaps they do somehow become Super Bowl contenders, but I just don't see it. Not my lifetime. No. Uh, speaking of wide receivers, the it, it's possible that this week the trade market will officially heat up for DeAndre Hopkins as the disgruntled oh. Cardinals receiver 
apparently is being looked at by both the Buffalo Bills as well as the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, However, it turns out that the financial implications of taking on his contract may have tempered both of their pursuits. But, you know, he, he is being looked at very heavily by both Buffalo and Kansas City. So maybe yeah. that might be why Kansas City let Hardman go. If they can bring in Hopkins, yeah. take the place of Hardman, that's actually an upgrade for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And also per Aaron Wilson of uh, of one of Kansas City's uh, uh, of one of Kansas City's uh, stations, the Baltimore Ravens are not expected to be among the bidders. And from what it sounds like, too, it sounds like the Patriots are also out on Hopkins as they are focusing more on acquiring Jerry Judy from the Denver Broncos. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. That was a joke. No, I didn't hear it. Well, we should have a Jerry Judy, and then also be involved with Judge Judy. Oh, oh boy. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but Hopkins. Before. Yeah, you know, Hopkins though uh, nine games this year, three touchdowns, uh, sixty-four catches for seven hundred and seventeen yards. I mean, he would immediately take over as the second receiver for the Buffalo Bills. I don't know where he would be on Kansas City's chart though, but uh, it sounds like the trade market may start to officially heat up for him this week. Uh, a bit of unfortunate news uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Their tight end, Foster Moreau, who they had recently signed, has announced that he has been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and thus mm-hmm. will be stepping away from football. Uh, he well, added that the can Hodgkin's disease. Yeah. And uh, he noted that the cancer was found during a routine physical conducted by the Saints medical team down in New Orleans. Uh, He ended up expressing gratitude for the support he has received, and he ended his message by saying, I'll go kick this thing's ass and get back to doing what I love. Uh, So he's probably done. I, I I would guarantee he's probably done for the year. Um probably wouldn't expect him to play at all this year and you know who knows who knows when his return will be it's tough to say really you can't really give a uh you can't really give a time frame on on situations like this Uh, oh, this is interesting. Uh, the executive director of the NFLPA, Demory Smith, believes that the league is taking a stand on not signing Lamar Jackson in order to prevent quarterbacks from getting fully guaranteed contracts. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he, stated, he stated saying the NFL wants to send a message to all of the stars that they will not get a fully guaranteed contract simply because other first ballot Hall of Famers didn't get them, and if they can help it, because Jackson didn't get one either. Um, Smith calls the lack of interest in Jackson a coordinated effort from the league to keep guaranteed contracts from becoming a trend. 
Uh, Jackson getting a guaranteed contract would lead to fully guaranteed deals for Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Jalen Hurts. And basically, this is a league-wide backlash from the Cleveland Browns signing Deshaun Watson to a fully guaranteed contract. And now, this has left no team being interested in even talking to Jackson on the non-exclusive franchise tag. So basically, simply put here, Lou, it kind of seems like Lamar Jackson is getting blackballed by the league. Yeah, it does seem that way. Wasn't you know? I mean, wasn't too long. he was there was praising him, and now they're now they're dogging him. Yeah, it's kind of odd, but it, it this kind of seems like a bizarro. Uh, a bizarro Colin Kaepernick situation. You think it's a good idea? Bizarro world. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, it just seems like it's a different version of the Kaepernick situation, where yeah. Kaepernick got blackballed because of his beliefs and because right. of his kneeling and whatnot, while. This blackballing has has all to do with Jackson wanting a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah, so it's a repeat performance. So yeah. then he's so then he's gonna start bitching, and the whole thing's gonna start all over again. Oh, great. Right. By the way, uh, a little bit of an update from DK Sports or from DraftKings Sportsbook. UConn, before the tournament, they were a plus 1,800 to win the national championship. Uh They are now the favorites at at plus 120. I like it. I like it. I mean, that's a considerable swing. And at FanDuel, actually, at FanDuel, they were higher. At FanDuel, they were plus 2,400. Before the tournament. So for anybody who anybody who bet on UConn before the tournament even began, uh, just just got to say they're set to make a whole hell of a lot of money. Yes, UConn uh, can somehow pull this out. Uh, let's see. NFL Network's Cameron Wolf has reported that the Tennessee Titans reportedly asked uh, free safety Kevin Byard to take a pay cut this offseason. And Byard has refused the pay cut, but this now adds to the rumors that he may not be in the plans of new general manager uh, Ron Carson. as the uh, the restructuring of the whole Tennessee Titans roster continues here. And the Titans had actually rescheduled the con- or, or restructured the contract of Kevin Byard over the last two off-seasons. Uh, but now it seems like they wanted a, you know, they wanted to do a third one and he doesn't want to do that. And now it says here that, uh, he may become a post-June cut. And in doing so, 
Tennessee will be able to clear fourteen million off of their books with a five and a half million dollar dead money hit. And not to mention, he was one of the top safeties last year with four interceptions and 100-plus tackles for the second time in three seasons. And yet they want, uh, they want a key player of their defense like this to take a pay cut. Mm. I, don't blame, I don't blame him, honestly, for not taking that cut. Not at all. Uh, some other bits of news, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have released longtime kicker Ryan Suckup uh, after he kicked an, uh, he, after he kicked an 82.4% of his field goals over the last two seasons. Uh, this move creates $3.75 million in cap space. Uh, so it looks like he will be looking elsewhere for a job. But the good news is he he still has a good enough leg that he will probably find work elsewhere. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, they traded kicker Zane Gonzalez to the San Francisco 49ers in exchange for a conditional draft pick in 2025. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were expected to release Gonzalez, who missed all of this past year with an injury, However, the Niners needed a kicker after they didn't re-sign Robbie Gould this offseason, and now they will replace Gould with Gonzalez. So it looks like Gould will be looking uh, to sign elsewhere here. Uh, Gonzalez, it says here he is likely to be their number one starter, if healthy, for the 49ers. Uh, also, the Panthers they signed wide receiver DJ Chark, formerly of the of the Detroit Lions, to a one year five million dollar deal this past week. Uh, he was only limited to just eleven games last year due to an ankle injury, but he did have three touchdowns uh, with thirty catches and five hundred and two yards. Mm. Uh, Since 2019, he ranks seventh among qualified receivers in contested catches on deep targets with 16 contested catches. The Baltimore Ravens, uh, they're not doing themselves any favors trying to appeal to to Lamar Jackson here by signing Nelson Aguilar of the Patriots to a one year, three and a quarter million dollar contract, which can go as high as six and a half million dollars with incentives. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll tell you this right now, the Ravens, uh, the, uh, this is a, honestly, this is a horrible signing. I mean, if he, if they were signing him coming off of coming off of his time with the Raiders, that would be a different story, but his last two seasons with the Patriots have been absolutely horrific. So this is, this is honestly a horrible signing for Baltimore. I would not expect him to really make any, any impact whatsoever for the most part. Uh, Speaking of the Patriots, uh, they re-signed cornerback Jalen Mills to a one-year contract worth up to $6.1 million. They had originally released him earlier last week, 
Uh, however, uh, you know, that move did save New England $5 million against the cap, uh, and he will return to New England this year in what is likely going to be an incentive-laden contract. He did have two interceptions last year in 10 games. Uh, I would be shocked if he is not if he if they don't move him over to safety and he is not the starting safety this year I think the reason why they brought him back because of Devin McCourty's retirement I think if Devin McCourty wasn't retiring uh he would probably still be on the on the free agent market right now Jalen Mills would be Uh, the Panthers, they did re-sign kicker Eddie Pinheiro to a two-year deal, so that's why they moved Zane Gonzalez, because Pinheiro is going to be their starter. Uh, Pinheiro did convert 33 of 35 field goal attempts last year. Uh, however, though, he he wasn't signed for his power, but more, more along uh, his accuracy as he only has five career makes beyond 50 yards. So uh, still a fine option, though, for the rebuilding Carolina Panthers at kicker. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots, they signed punter Corliss Waitman uh, after the Broncos withdrew a tender offer to him earlier in the week after they signed Riley Dixon. So... New England needing a punter after losing Jake Bailey. Uh, They officially snatched up uh, Waitman earlier this week. He punted a league high 96 times last season on account to the fact that Nathaniel Hackett had no idea what the fuck he was doing as head coach. And uh, the Broncos were basically punting almost every single drive. So needless to say, New England needed a punter, and they definitely found a punter. Well, they found one. Yeah. Uh, The New York Giants, they did lose center John Feliciano to the San Francisco 49ers on a one-year deal. Uh, Feliciano started started in all 15 games he appeared in last season for the Giants, uh, lining up at center after primarily playing guard for most of his career. Uh, Feliciano will likely slight will likely slot in at one of the two guard positions for the Niners, who recently re-signed center Jake Brendel to a four-year contract. So that actually may work out for San Francisco because Feliciano will be going back to a position that he played the most throughout his career. Uh, The Las Vegas Raiders, they signed tight end Austin Hooper, formerly of the Tennessee Titans, to a one-year $2.8 million contract. Uh, He can boost his deal to as much as $3.5 million through incentives. Uh, They also added O.J. Howard as well um, earlier this week. So if both players make the roster, Hooper will likely take on more work as a blocker uh, rather than a route runner. He did come off a, a quiet season, though, uh, with Tennessee this year, 
only catching 37 targets for 406 yards and a single touchdown. However, though, considering he's going to have Jimmy G throwing to him instead of Ryan Tannehill, you might potentially see an upgrade in production, potentially from Austin Hooper this season. Also, uh, Ian Rappaport has reported that Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson had arthroscopic surgery on his right knee this offseason. The surgery will help fix an injury that had nagged Wilson the past few seasons. Uh, He ended up missing two games to a hamstring injury and a concussion this past season. And he also missed five games over the last two seasons after never missing a start in his entire career. Uh, They have officially cleared Wilson to resume throwing, and they do expect him to be fully healthy going into the 2023 season, and he is expected to be ready for the start of Denver's OTAs. So there's no no sign of of any potential extended absence there for him. Uh, going back to the NBA here, you know, this is kind of what I uh, what I said earlier, Lou, when talking about Portland, how it may just be a foregone conclusion before, the, you know, before they're uh, mathematically eliminated. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers, uh, the Trailblazers are leaning towards shutting down Damian Lillard for the remainder of the season. Oh. After he didn't play yesterday against the Bulls with tightness in his right calf, and he has officially been ruled out for tomorrow's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And right now, with Portland looking at being three games out of the final play-in tournament spot uh, with nine games left to play, uh, Portland is seriously considering shutting him down for the remainder of the season. Which, honestly... I wouldn't be surprised if they do so because no. why why waste your guy uh, why waste your franchise player on nine games that probably will not mean anything unless you're stupid yeah I mean it is possible that they are stupid and maybe perhaps they'll continue to play you know they'll continue to play him potentially but yeah You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do officially shut him down. Uh, Also, uh, Yusuf Nurkic is going to be out for tomorrow's game for Portland with right knee soreness. And uh, Jeremy Grant as well with a left quad contusion and Anthony Simons with right foot soreness. So they're going to be without four starters. Uh, And from what it sounds like, it sounds like that could be the – it sounds like that could be the norm down the stretch. So they may actually, they may actually have their bench players play the entire rest of the season. They might have to. I mean, your stars are all banged up. So, well, obviously up left. Of course, that I don't think you're going to win that very many games. But you know. right. Yeah. You know, it I mean, might be actually smarter. It might be actually smarter for them to lose as many of the remaining games as possible. Uh, yes. In order to in order to potentially 
in order to potentially get as high of a playoff, or I mean, as high of a draft pick as they potentially can. Uh huh. Because when you think when you think of it, they do need something that's going to spark that roster. Yeah. So, what better to spark that roster than bringing in a uh, the bringing in a young talent through the draft, and not somebody that's just gonna that's just gonna sit on the bench. Yeah. And by the way, going back to uh, Dallas here, um, Luka Doncic. Yes. He is. He has said he's quote. He said he's quote unquote lost his smile. As he used to always lost. He he's used to always been happy on the court, and while he's publicly citing personal problems, it seems Mm -hmm. like Twitter blaming Kyrie. Uh huh. For his for his issues. Doncic was also fined thirty five thousand for you know being stupid for the refs. Who was? Uh, Luka Doncic. You know that that's kind of interesting because it kind of seems like he's he's sort of borrowing a few mannerisms from Kyrie because that sounds like something Kyrie yeah. would do. Yeah, it's maybe they're separated birth and are actually twins. Mm. Oh, this is interesting. Um, so. A Memphis women's basketball player has been charged with assault over a handshake line punch. Yeah, what? That she did. Uh, this was, I think, Thursday. Yeah, Thursday night uh, following the game against Bowling Green, I think it was. Uh, Tigers, Tigers senior guard Jamira Schutz was hit with an assault charge roughly, roughly 12 hours after she punched Bowling Green player Alyssa Brett during an incident following their game in the women's NIT tournament. Oh, God. The two had gotten into a verbal argument after Bowling Green's win, which led to Schutz sucker punching Brett in the face. Cat fight. And there was swelling on Brett's right eye as well. So that's what le- that's also what led to the uh to the charges. Just, wow. It's yeah. you know, I I guess I guess it really it really does show how uh how competition can get so intense, I guess. Oh, absolutely. With the, uh, oh, and by the way, uh, Alan Lazard did actually say that Aaron Rodgers was the bit, was a big reason that why he's a New York jet now. So, uh, basically from what it sounds like, it sounds like Alan Lazard, if, if Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming to New York, uh, he would not have signed with New York. Well, nothing's been official yet, though. No, I mean, like, like Aaron Rodgers said, 
uh, last week, you know, it's all about compensation now, and it's uh, that's all on uh, that's all on Green Bay to get done. Yeah. You know that he's he's already said, you know, trade me to New York. Right. Crazy. And wow, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm just reading what you had said about the fine. $35,000 for making a money gesture towards a referee for Doncic. Uh-huh. I mean, that's that's flat out ridiculous. Yes. I mean, he's basically he's basically claiming that uh, you know, he missed a contested layup with 1.7 seconds left when he felt he was fouled but didn't get a call. So he's basically saying that Green or that that Golden State was paying off the reps, which is why he made that uh, why that he made gesture. that that gesture. Uh, and yeah. you know what? Uh, the Dallas Mavericks they do plan. They did officially file a formal protest of that loss yeah. to the Warriors. Would be, yeah, but we've uh, said this before. You know, they 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 do a protest, and you know, nothing happens. You know, the results don't change. Why would they even do that? No. However, though, it does say here that uh, that the game could be voided if the if the protest is if oh. the protest is successful. Mm, yeah, we'll just have to see if it is successful. I mean, because we've heard this before with the protesting, and you know, it never really is successful. It's been just right. another, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, okay, you got the right to protest, of course, but you got to think: is it even worth it? Because you're probably going to lose it. Well, because because they're protesting that the referee made a mistake which led to a wide open dunk for Golden State out of a timeout. Right. Yes. Uh Mark Cuban even said it it was the worst officiating non call mistake possibly in the history of the NBA. Yeah, I was putting it very mildly. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what he what he had said. And you know, I'm looking at it right now and this is so odd that basically there's five players in when uh you know, they're they're having Golden State inbound the ball. There's five Golden State players and literally no literally no uh Dallas players. Dallas believed that the ball was going back towards Golden State's lane, you know, going back towards Golden State's uh, zone. The referee just allowed Golden State to inbound the ball in Dallas's zone, which led to literally a wide-open dunk because there was no Dallas players at all in the area. Because Dallas was all the way in the other half of the zone, or all, all the way in the other half of the court. So I can kind of see why they would file a protest here. Because it kind of seems like there was literally no, uh, you know, there was literally no explanation given 
whatsoever by the referees as uh as far as to why uh there was why that decision was made by the referees but anyways that's going to wrap it up for tonight uh i do want to thank lou and alex for joining me um we will be back of course next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly, and we will have WrestleMania that night as well. So we will be talking some WrestleMania because it is going to be night one of a two-night WrestleMania uh, by the WWE. So we will be talking a little bit of WrestleMania next Sunday or next Saturday night as well. Uh, A little bit of a note for anybody who missed it, the Survivor 44 recap podcast uh, took place this past Thursday night. Uh, You can view it or you can listen to it on the archives at blogtalkradio.com slash missyae. You can also listen to it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and any of the other big podcast networks. So... Uh, and obviously, you know, if you haven't done so yet and uh, would like to listen to more of the uh, Missy AE podcast, subscribe to us on any of those outlets and you will get access to not just any of our previous shows, but any shows that we have coming up in the future. So uh, until next week, everybody have a great rest of your weekend and we will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.